Welcome to the Body Bag Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brooke Brenner Dave. With me is my co host, Chris Thomas. What's good, everybody? And on this episode, we have a very special guest a stuntman, a web developer, and now an author, William Perry. Hey, guys, what's up? How is it going, sir? Uh, that is good. That is <laughs> yeah, gotta say, um, yeah. well, I gotta apologize in advance. Uh, not only to you, but to everybody listening, you guys get delirious, Chris, today. Uh, you guys get uh, cu- just coming down from COVID, Chris. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you got sleep deprived, Chris. <laughs> so, I'm just putting it all out there right now. If I get like names wrong or if I go on like kind of whatever thing, be gentle <laughs> if you're critiquing this episode. <laughs> So he's a film expert and a phlegm expert. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's going on the resume. So once again, thank you for uh, reaching out to us. It was a very pleasant surprise. Oh, I'm totally excited about doing this. Uh, I, I, I tell people I'm going to sit and tell boring stories about uh, doing movies and stunts all day long. It's nice to have somebody who's actually interested. Yeah, we're, we're excited to hear a bunch of your stories and get to know you on this podcast it's it's funny because he's like oh i'm t- telling boring stories i'm over here kind of a little bit like starstruck like we got a guy we got a hollywood guy over here I, uh, i'm over here getting wooed by our guest already right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm getting the vapors already um, <laughs> but uh not only a stuff man but uh you do have a book which is dropping same day as this episode by his hand yeah yeah, we yeah, uh, plan it out sometimes over here. We can plan out things a little bit well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's beautiful. I didn't know that. That's awesome. The book yeah. was sort of a, a new thing for me. Um, I I did it some writing, but not uh, more marketing writing, not uh, anything normally that you would consider, you know, fiction stuff. Uh, it's marketing, so a lot of it is fiction. But uh, this was something where I had a terrible, terrible nightmare. And I woke up in the morning and I told my wife about a minute of it. And she said, don't tell me this anymore. It's <laughs> really dark and very scary. And I said, yeah. And I uh, work with a publisher in the UK who I do some audiobooks for. I do some voiceover for him. And I told him the story and he said, I listen to and read a lot of horror. And that's pretty freaking scary, dude. And I was like, oh, thanks. He said, do you want to write it? I said, I don't know if I'm a writer. I mean, in the, you know, that kind of sense. And he's like, well, give me a couple of weeks. If I don't do something, you know, we'll take a swing. And so uh, I wrote it as fast as I could write. I mean, just, it was very vivid, very visceral in a, you know, <laughs> I guess in a really very literal way, I guess, in some scenes from it. And uh, I wrote it really fast. It was very emotional for me because it's a lot of real. I would say 75% of the people and places and situations are all really in my life. And so uh, the scenes that are very personal and very scary were extra personal and extra scary. In fact, I had even considered not putting my the, the actual names of the people in the book because when I started writing it, it was it was horrifying. It was really scary. And it was reliving it all over again. Yeah, yeah. and And to put it into very you know realistic and very present terms i did keep the names of family and friends in the book because it made it harder it made it deeper it made it more intense which i think informed some of the way i write 
and uh, I changed names at the end because uh, I just felt like I needed to. But it was a very, uh, a, 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 it's like watching, somebody said, are you going to make it into a screenplay? I said, well, I've already watched it. In HD, I've seen, I got the 3D yeah, experience. Super, yeah, yeah, I mean, actually very uh, in, in 4D because I felt it, I smelled it. I It was one of those things where there was nothing in the dream that wasn't reality-based. There was no, like, all of a sudden I can fly or, you know, the refrigerator. You don't get the good ones. like yeah. yeah, so with all of that, when I woke up, it was that moment of, how much of that happened? Holy shit, you know? And so, like, fortunately, I woke up very quickly and went, oh, I didn't do any of that. Okay, well, that's good. But, uh, yeah, so when I wrote it out, I sent it to a couple of people, a friend of mine's author, and uh, he teaches uh, writing at Santa Monica College here in Los Angeles. And I said, can you read it? He said, yeah. I was like, what? He's like, I don't like reading people's first drafts. (laughs) Would you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I guess I I appreciate your honesty, at least. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I sent it to him and he was on a plane when he read it and he looked up and he noticed that they had free Wi-Fi. And he said, I had I have to write him right now. And he wrote to me and he said, dude, that's so gnarly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I said, is it good? He goes, I started making corrections. And I did it for about five pages. And then I was kind of sucked in. And I thought, how does this guy know how to write? He said, there are some things in there. You just, the way you described it was very physical. And, you know, he said it was, I, I actually made sounds like, oh, you know, this sort of thing. And I said, so that's good. And he's like, no, it's really good. He said, I really don't have any changes for you. And I that's a, for, for a first that. draft, that's about the best you can hear, best news you can hear, I would think. Oh, for- hell yeah. So I was very, I was very excited by that, and then I sent it to some people I've met purely on Instagram, uh, just you know, f- uh, horror fans from around, and I handed it to a couple of people and said, "Please be brutally honest. Don't you know? I, I call it the uh, broccoli in my teeth. I don't want to find out at the end of the day that I've had broccoli in my teeth since noon, and nobody wanted to say anything." <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I understand. I that's why I'm awful. Like. <laughs> Back in, in college and high school, when they, we'd have to like make like first uh, read first drafts and then make constructive criticism, I I I was always too nice. I always felt like I was being too harsh. Yeah. I I hate giving like you know criticism like that. We're a little bit better at it now. I mean, we have kind of have to be. We yeah. do a review and a, a review show, so yeah. I was terrified at first to get those first reviews because you know some people were friends, but some of the people were not. And it's the people who are not friends because people who know me know how much of this book is true. And, and uh, the, the we talk about uh, arthritis and hand pain and all the things I can't do anymore because of it. And uh, that's all real. And so people who know me said, well, knowing you really is kind of hard. This book hits really hard because I realize how much you know daily pain you deal with. And it's like. Yeah, but that, that, that's not what I'm asking yeah. about. They're like, no, no, it just, uh, you know, they said, and also I know how you feel about your family and your friends. And so when these things in the book happen, it was like, oh, my God, that must have been the scariest thing in the whole world. It's like, yeah, well, I'm glad it, yeah. I'm glad it did that. But was it going to work with people who don't know me? And so as those uh, reviews have kind of trickled in, it's been very, you know, gratifying. Somebody, again, said, I actually, you know, I made audible sounds like, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> when it happened, yeah. I'm like, well, good, that's. That's exactly what I wanted to happen because that was the reaction I had when you know when I wrote it. Yeah, I think the theme of this book kind of played on fear. I didn't even know I had until I was listening to your book of <laughs> being a prisoner in my own body. Yeah. Now all of a sudden that's my biggest fear. Like, well, my wife is a psychologist, and so as I was uh, talking to her about this, she said, "Do you want to know where this is coming from?" 
and I hadn't quite written it all yet. And I said, yeah, what do you think? And she said, you're afraid of dementia and you're afraid of Alzheimer's real bad. And I watched my mom pass away from all, uh, from dementia and I've watched some uh, other people I know who've had Alzheimer's and they, that's exactly, they're trapped. You know, yeah. it's body that's 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 doing things that they can't control anymore. And they don't and they become someone you don't know. And everyone around you is affected by it in the worst way, especially the people you really care about. And when I knew that, I was like, oh, whoa, that's deep. <laughs> and it really informed the way I wrote the rest of the book, because I would started thinking about, OK, that being the premise for my fear or the fear of this character in the book, how how would that where, where are things going to go? Who am I, you know, who's it going to hurt? How bad? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as that came, it was like all of it. Uh, Wes Craven uh, was uh, my boss for a while. Um, I used to do yeah. some writing for him actually on his website. And I asked him one time, how did you, you know, how do you do this? How do you discern, determine what's scary? And he was a humanities professor. And he said, you know, you, you learn what scares people when you take a psychology class or a humanities class or a philosophy class. And you learn what scares them. And then learn what scares them when they're little, because the things that you that scary was a little kid, scary was a grown up. You've just learned to deal with it. But if I can grab you by the seven year old psyche <laughs> and really play on that fear, I, mean, I can give you major trauma really quickly. And that had always stuck with me, although I'd never really done the writing I did for him. People would uh, ask questions on the website and I'd ask him a few questions and he'd talk for a little bit and then I'd try to put it in Wes's terms, uh, the way he spoke and the way he wrote. And so I had just enough of that, you know, and he talked about things like where Freddie's sweater came from and why is it green and red and why was there a hat? It's <laughs> all this stuff. And so as he would do that, as he would talk about those things, it's like, you crafty bastard, that's really <laughs> good. You know, it, it sounds formulaic, but it still takes a, a bit of sensitivity to figure out, well, what is it that's going to work? And so I felt like I got a little bit of that. And then reading so many horror books for this uh, author gave me quite oh. a bit of insight into the structure and how people, you know, I knew a lot of things I didn't want to do. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. want Scooby-Doo ending. Oh, yeah. listen for those meddling kids that have gotten away with it. <laughs> I didn't want anything like that. You know, so yeah. I think uh, that's I knew what to avoid, even if I didn't know what I wanted. So you said uh, when I was talking to you about that, that you kind of saw it like in your head cinematically. Uh, yeah, I, I had a because you, you're painting one picture. I just want to I'm going to get kind of get your picture and then I'll tell you what I kind of pictured cinematically in terms of. Sure. So, so in in your mind, do you have like a movie that you could compare it to maybe cinematically that you had like this or what's the best way that you can say, well, I had this in my mind uh, when I was writing um, it. I have to say there was a bit of uh, just I, I mean, I guess the term is a first person shooter. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of a game yeah. uh, sort of thing where the part of it that made it so frightening for me, and I and I hope it's conveyed in the book, is that you could feel it. You could taste it. You could hear it. You could, if it was cold, you felt cold. You know, all of the sensations that you would have, I felt very, very vividly. And so when I was writing it, that was kind of the thing that I I didn't know if I was going to be able to convey all that, that sense of being trapped, but having 
every sensation and not being able to. I could tell that it was going to be a very sensory type of, of book, or especially early on when you're in the book. Uh, I'm not going to get any into any spoilers, like I said, but in the book, uh, his hand begins to without his knowledge contort. And I believe he was, uh, was he in church and he was signing? Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and there is exactly the gentleman that I talked about and that situation sort of based on a, a real situation where uh, my hand was just cramped. And uh, he said, oh, your hands, uh, that's a letter. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And that's, I think when the, um, when the story came to me, that was, it's a, it's not giving anything away. In fact, I do, a, I have a five minute sample of that book and I get to that point because I think it sets the stage for that WTF moment of what do you mean I'm spelling? You know, what do you mean I'm doing something that I'm not aware of? And so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was a very, that was kind of one of the, that was, I think the, the most pivotal thing that hit me when I woke up, it was what if that was happening? What if you were spelling and you didn't even know it? What would be causing that? Um, I was just going to yeah. say, in my in my mind, when I was thinking of it cinematically, I don't know why, but my mind went to the usual suspects and seven. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's a fine comparison. I'll, I'm going to take yeah. it. Hey, honey, he just <laughs> compared me to seven. Mostly yeah. Kevin Spacey, like recapping the story and thinking of it more as a unreliable uh, unreliable narrator yes of yeah. a guy trying to of a, a clearly guilty man but putting all this passion into this story that he fabricated and in my mind it was Kevin Spacey from the usual suspects kind of like giving that story yeah. like he did in the movie his name Kaiser Soze verbal yeah well yeah verbal quint i think is verbal quint yeah yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting because I, I I was when I was writing it, I was hoping that there was nothing out there like it. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I've been in a lot of horror movies and one of the things you see a lot is a lot of repetition. Mm -hmm. um, things that it's like, OK, you know where this is going and I hate knowing where it's going. You know, I love when somebody can not so much jump scare me, but have me go, wait, what what the hell? In fact, one of the the. I wouldn't say it's a negative review, but um, a friend of mine uh, wrote to me yesterday and said, so what was it? <laughs> no, but that's what that's what I In thought was kind of perfect about it, yeah. because well, I, when I was yeah. writing notes, I was I, I was going back and I was like, all right, is this about a guy's descent into madness? Is this about a guy who did all this and is feeling regretful? Is this a guy who's who's telling the truth and he literally has no control over what he's doing? Yeah. Well, and he was irritated. And I said, does it make you uncomfortable? And he said, yes. Yes, of course it does. I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I said, that, I said yeah. remember, this is a, remember the genre you're reading. This isn't, uh, you know, a romance novel. You know, I want you to yeah. feel uncomfortable. I want you to feel like I'm really almost sorry I read that. I'm, God, I'm going to be thinking about that all night. Good. Yeah. Well, that's that's what it's supposed to do, Yeah, I guess, you know. Yeah, like you said, I don't think I've read anything like this before. So definitely enjoy it. And it's so descriptive it hits a point but you do it in such a small amount of pages how are you able to like accomplish something like that i'll tell you that's a very funny comment and i'll tell you why this was painful to write yeah. uh, emotionally speaking and i just wanted to get it over with i in fact uh somebody had asked me are you going to make a you know screenplay 
And I said, yeah, I've been asked, you know, uh, by somebody and there's going to be a lot more mayhem because you kind of have to fill an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and that part was easy, but writing about that kind of stuff was, uh, I, I was, I remember getting to the point where there's a very, very key person gets hurt by this. And Mm -hmm. I stopped in the middle and I just walked away. I just couldn't do it. And when I finally, I think I waited a week and I came back and I was like, oh, fuck, I just got to do this. And (laughs) I just sat and I wrote it and I did it in about two hours. And when I was done, I was like, thank God I'm past that part. Is it that that scene that I told you was the one that stuck out to me? Yes. Um, I I, I don't know if I I should say it. Yeah, so the scene that follows, it was just as bad, if not worse. <laughs> and, oh, God. and so when I thought about it, I'm like, I'm looking at the number of pages that I've written and realizing I could go on for a long time, but I didn't want to anymore. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I did, but I didn't. It's it's one of those things when you're writing it and you realize, I think this is good. Um, yeah. I think this is new. I think this is a real act of creation here, you know, <laughs> for yeah. lack of a, you know, I hate to make it sound that good. But it was really exciting, you know, to feel like, yeah, I, uh, I, I can do this, I think. And so the the next version, I, like I started on the screenplay, which is ridiculously opposite. It's better in some ways, it's worse in so many others, but I was putting more into it and there's more depth to make you think he's just gone crazy or, but no, he couldn't just be crazy because why would he do this? You know, so yeah. I, I found myself being able to embellish both sides of the argument. And I was telling it to my friend and he's like, well, you're not helping me at all. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to build something you'll enjoy or freak out about. That's uh, like how the uh, director for American Psycho intentionally left it open ended, even though people asked her, well, did, uh, was he did he really kill people or would he or or was it a cover-up or what and she said well i don't want to tell you i'd rather you just draw your own conclusion yeah you know my one of my favorite uh musicians is elvis costello and uh he he wrote his autobiography and in it he was talking about why he never tells people what the lyrics mean because he said you know some of these people have been listening to these songs for 20 30 40 plus years and it means something to them because of a moment or uh, a time in their life or you know when they needed something and then he said if i told you what the song meant and it wasn't that it's like no that was about my dog it's like oh, fuck, <laughs> i didn't know allison was a dog yeah. oh, shit i had a girlfriend named allison you've completely ruined my childhood yeah my, my adolescence so <laughs> that song so was I meant for of, me I, I took that yeah. yeah what are you talking about yeah uh and so i kind of i i like that that philosophy of you know don't don't tell anybody what it means. Um, and, and he also said, too, somebody said, you know, uh, you you wrote the song uh, Watching the Detectives. You know, that would make a great film noir. And he said, I wrote it as a song because that's what it was. If I could have written it in any other way or made a painting or made a movie or any of those other things, that's what I would have done. It's it's the song because that's what it is. It's the, I don't, I'm an artist and I do it in the format it comes to me. Don't ask me to, you know, elaborate on something when... It's a great song. I think that idea is lost on a lot of people, even in the horror community. I mean, horror itself is supposed to be mysterious and kind of an unknown thing. That's what makes things scary is fear of not knowing, fully knowing. 
Yeah. Yeah. My son and I were actually talking about this even today. He was talking about movies that, uh, you know, his his generation, he's uh, about 28 now, and he was talking about Saw and he was talking about all these different films, which are very different to me from what I consider horror. A lot of those are so, um, they're clever mm -hmm. and they're intense and they're graphic, but I don't know that I consider them scary. I'd say the first one was probably like, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As the, as yeah, it so went you know, on, though. Yeah, it's creative ways to kill people. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'll admit, because <laughs> I have a soft spot for that franchise, but even I'll admit yeah. that yeah. the first one was legitimately entertaining. It had a decent twist and and left you kind of wondering and thinking, asking yourself enough questions like, oh, my God, what does that mean about this scene? But as the yeah. series went on, as much as I uh, enjoy it for what it is, it did get like, all right, this is you guys are kind of like rinsing and repeating like all of the greatest hits from the yes. last thing here. So there's, a, there's yeah. a thing you can. I play guitar, and, and there's a set of dice that I have, and it's two sets, uh, two different dice, and they have chord number or chord uh, <laughs> insignias on different sides, and they're like eight, twelve-sided dice, and you yeah. roll the dice, and between all of them, you just say, okay, just for the sake of kind of creativity. I'm going to play the chords in the order that they came up on the dice. And they're all, you know, meant for the same key. So it makes sure that it sort of works. And it's just kind of a, like a writing prompt. And I feel like there's somebody somewhere has got a set of dice and on it, it's got eyeball, knife, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, ski pole and boiling water. Okay, let's put those together and see what happens. Yeah. And it becomes so formulaic that it's like, ugh, we're just looking for new ways to slice and dice. Come on, man. I don't care about these people. You know, you're just dicing them up anyway. I, I don't, it's not frightening to me if I don't care about the people. I yeah. want to know them and I want to yeah. know, I want to have a reason. And, you know, always the bad guy. And, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, I love Scream to Death for yeah. this reason because they, they took all those rules and they threw them up in the air and said, "Ah, don't get your don't you don't you don't get to know what's going to happen this time. Nothing <laughs> yeah. about this is going to obey the rules you think." And that that just, I, I remember reading it uh, right when Wes was doing it. And I thought you'll never get it made. Said, I'm glad you did get it made. Well, I just said it's too freaking scary. I've read the first part up to where they find the kid, you know, duct taped to the chair. I'm like, no yeah. way! I don't even want to read. I don't want to read this anymore. You're not going to be able to sell this to a studio. <laughs> exactly. And he was like, "No, it's funny." I'm like, "You want to kill who in the first ten minutes?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and since a good friend of mine was the guy who killed her in that scene, and I remember yeah. thinking, "No, no, Drew, no, Drew Barrymore is blonde, dude." And he's like, "That's who it is." I'm like. Well, they're not killing her in the first minute. In the first three. Like, <laughs> no, you—they you, film it out of sequence, you douche. Not only are we, not only are we killing her, we're disemboweling her too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not doing. We're, this is no, uh, you know, subtle off-screen scream. You know, this is uh, when I say visceral. I mean e-visceral. And it was smart that they marketed around Drew Barrymore too. Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, yeah. the casting was so good. It's marketing is it's brilliant marketing uh, yeah. to do that. Yeah, it tour it, it it when you saw it, you were like, "Wait a minute, are we going to be not going to kill her?" Yeah, they're not. They're going to have to have flashbacks. She's the final girl, you know. And so, yeah, yeah, there's so much about that that was just brilliant. And I have to say, I I read it before it was filmed, and I just thought it was you know scary and gory, but between the casting and just Wes's 
demonic <laughs> touch. Uh, yeah. Really, it was so much better than what I had imagined it to be. I, I mean, I, really, I thought it, in the beginning, I was like, oh, one more of these things. But I remember seeing it in the theater going, damn, you scared the crap out of me. You made me laugh and you absolutely threw me. I never knew what was happening. I never felt like I had any sense about what was going on or what was going to happen next. And that's what you <laughs> want. I don't want to walk out of there going, yeah, I saw that coming. You know, I saw it in the first minute of Sixth Sense. No, you didn't. You liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really the joy of these things is to have it be something new and interesting that just makes you go. I remember seeing uh, Alien for the first time and realizing yeah. we haven't even seen that. All I've seen is people going Aah! and being so scared. You know, they didn't show yeah. you people die. They didn't even show you the monster, I think, for 38 minutes. But that's that to me, that's a scary movie. Yeah, oh, that suspense of it. Once you finally saw it, it paid off. If the face that Veronica Cartwright made didn't make you want to leave the theater, I don't know what's going on with you. <laughs> I was like, holy yeah. shit, what is, whatever she's looking at is so bad. <laughs> yeah. Seeing as how we're kind of delving into uh, like more of the movie talk, uh, I just wanted to give Dave a last chance if he had any other questions about By His Hand. Seeing as how we're kind of shifting into more movie talk. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, no, no, it's good. I like it. It's yeah, a very natural. Yeah. It, uh, the flow is natural. I just wanted to make sure that before we get too far away from the book, if Dave had any other questions about it. No, we're going to shift into the movie talk. Okay, but uh, yeah. By His Hand will be available February 17th, I believe you said is the date? Yeah, it's actually pre-selling now, uh, but of course people aren't going to hear this till the 17th. Yeah. So yes, it's uh, the 17th is the official launch day, and uh, yeah, if anybody out there is interested, it's merely a dollar, if you can imagine how yeah. literally just, just dirt cheap. I think it's uh, worth an hour of your time. Is it just an audio form? No, it's an ebook, um, and it's an audio book, and there is uh, some discussion about having it be an illustrated novelette. I mean, that would be, be really cool. Version. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, I'm a graphic artist as well. I did the cover and all that. And I did the audiobook as well. Came I was about to say, uh, you sound very familiar. I've heard this voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I was, yeah. was going to ask one of the questions I was going to ask you. It's like, so who'd you get to... Uh, to uh, narrate this thing, I like the sound of his voice when he was as he, of the narrator that you got. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I started doing the audiobooks for this uh, place called Red Cave Publishing about three or four years ago. They do the A to Z of horror, and so I think we are we just finished I is for Internet, or no, we finished uh, J is for Jack O' Lantern. So there's another, and there's there's going to be 26 books obviously when this is all done. And I, I started with B. Somebody else got book A. And uh, it's great stuff. And it's so much fun because it's 13 stories of different writers from all over the world, all indie writers. And the stories are so much better than what I had imagined they would be. They're so good. And, uh, you know, we did like E is for exorcism. Yeah. So I had to come up with 13 different voices of the devil to, <laughs> to make that work. Yeah. Like after a while, one of the uh, authors had said, you know, when you hear your demonic voice, you always think it's going to sound like uh, Linda Blair. He said, but no, it's just my voice. I'm like, oh, thank God for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we have, to we have to hear your demonic voice. So what did you, uh, oh, we have to hear one of them. Uh, let's see. A lot of it is, it's, you know, it's very, you know, it's out of the exercise. It's very much like this. Yeah, a lot of scratchiness and, you know, that kind of uh, what you would imagine. But then other people had it where it was very high pitched. And you, you do have to differentiate when you're doing an audiobook. One yeah. of the tricks is, People have to know who's talking just by your delivery. 
sometimes if there's you know a man and a woman i'd love you know hello mrs promise yeah, i'm not doing uh monty python you know <laughs> women's voices yeah. so you have to change the delivery and uh, some of the devils and some of the uh exorcisms and stuff like that you can't just do the same voice 13 stories in a row yeah. so a lot of times people would talk about how the person talked with more of a hiss sometimes it was very deep sometimes it was just annoying just is irritating gilbert godfrey on helium you know whatever you could think of to try to make it as irritating and awful sounding so that it's as annoying to the person reading, you know, the or listening to the book as it was to the person who was in the story. So it's a lot of different uh, silliness. But fun. <laughs> I'll have to look up some of those audiobooks, start listening to them. Yeah, let's, you know, oh, yeah. I won't, uh, I'll, I'll send me one. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. We'll, 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 we'll edit that out. Yeah. If you ever get it, if you if you were gonna pick one, there's one that is C is for cannibals. Oh, oh well, C oh. is for cannibals. 13, okay, thirteen stories that are so good. Uh, just, I mean, I remember reading it, going, "This has got to be the best book ever," by in in this series, and I I still think it stands up to being one of the best for sure. So uh, that's one. If you again, they're they're so cheap. Too. I think they say they're like a dollar or two. And they're they're great stories to just like if you're sitting at work and you're doing something kind of mindless that doesn't require you know a whole lot of you know reading and writing. They're great books to listen to because it's just like oh my god that's the greatest story. And I I'm not saying my readings that uh, what makes it amazing. I'm saying these stories are jaw droppingly good. Yeah, I was so happy that the audio came in audio form because I, I Dave is very much uh, the reader between both of us. Um, yeah, I, I find it hard to kind of sit down and 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 plant myself and sit and read. So, uh, li being able to listen, if I can listen to an audiobook and do things at the same time, I can concentrate more on it. Weirdly, so. yeah, love that. Yeah, me too. It's it's almost like the story is in the background and I'm listening and I'm paying attention. But I, I do a lot of graphic design and sometimes the work can get kind of tedious. So if there's a lot of you know tedium to it, I'll just put on one of those and. Uh, I just feel like when the it, the work goes faster, the book goes quickly, and I, I, I got to do two things at once. I didn't, you know, uh, my ADHD, you know, gets satisfied massively. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into the uh, movie talk of uh, we got Dream Warriors today, uh, going through your IMDb. You you actually kind of slithered your way into a lot of my childhood movies, at least according to your IMDb. Uh, yeah, I saw yeah. Hook in there. I saw uh, uh, Home Alone two in there. I was like, yeah, this, I, uh, this guy's been with me since the beginning. Me the sequel king he calls me. He says you were the sequel king. You were in so many so many sequels. It's like, yeah, I, I didn't do anything real. I just did all the sequels. But, well, well, uh, well, they're all, they're still great. Like I love, like I said, Hook and, and Home Alone too. I lo those are I love those two movies. Uh, but yeah. uh, and there's a few. Uh, there's some scary ones in there. There's also like uh, one of the more fun ones is um, Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Mm -hmm. And the reason that was so much fun is number one, it was you know a comedy, uh, scary, and I was a zombie. Zombies don't die. Zombies can be run over by cars. They can be shot in the face. They can be, you know, all these. And so you just don't die. So as a stuntman, usually when your character gets run over by a car, well, that's the end of your show. Time for that's lunch. Yeah, time for lunch. <laughs> You're going home, you know. So in that one, because there was a, a somebody that I was doubling that was 
just, you know, just keeps coming back for more. He gets run over by a meat truck. He gets electrocuted. He gets stabbed in the mouth of the screwdriver. He gets thrown off a catwalk, all these different things. And I was like, this is the best job ever, man. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah there's a lot of uh, my whole niche uh, for people who wouldn't know me. Um, I'm short and I was really skinny back then, uh, 125 pounds, maybe five, six. And so I doubled a lot of kids. So if, uh, you, if that's the sort of thing that will tie most of those films together for you is uh, there was a kid on this show and they didn't want him to do his own stunts or they couldn't let him do his own stunts at the time. And so they got to find somebody with the girlish arms of a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, pays the bills. It did, well, it's funny because a lot of the other, when I got into doing stunts, uh, a, a guy, it was actually a, a Wes Craven movie. Uh, a friend of mine was a stunt coordinator and he said, you know, I got this kid. He's five foot six, brown hair, brown eyes. God, he looks just like you. Do you do anything like that? I was like, oh, I was a skateboarder. I was a martial artist, uh, all that stuff, mountain bikes and motorcycles. And he's like, wow, man, there's a lot of work for you. And I said, there's nobody else that does this. And he said, everybody else is an ex-gymnast. So they got 45 inch chest and, you know, big shoulders and biceps. He's like, you got none of that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. The girls tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, that's been my yeah. claim to fame with the ladies. They're like, oh, you're like my little brother. Oh, that's what you want to hear. That's going to. Right. That's going to rule out sex then, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> unless and, unless it's, yeah, unless it's going to go really weird. Yeah. If it, if right. it doesn't rule that out, then I still don't want to do that. But yeah. uh, the uh, yeah, so the body, you know, size and all that was really a big deal. So a lot of the, you know, all the horror movies, the classic horror movies were all made in the 80s and uh, 90s. And that's kind of when I was coming up. And so um, uh, like movies like Newsies, it's all little it's all, you know, young teenage guys. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. All the horror movies, you know, uh, Nightmare 3, 4, 6, you know, all these movies were you know, you're roughly killing off teenagers as quickly as you can. And so yeah. there was me and about five other guys that did the majority of the work because all the other stuntmen were 5'10", 180 pounds, you know, muscly and, you know, doing uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But for us, you know, little guys, yeah, baby. I'm sure Dave has some questions because uh, you're talking to like the big West guy of the of the twi of the podcast. Uh, I mean, I'll tell anyone that listen that Wes Craven's the greatest director in horror <laughs> so big part of how i got into horror was through scream and the nightmare on elm street so and he did a lot more oh yeah uh, my, one of my best friends is a guy named uh, tony caesar who was unknown to most people but absolutely the man he did 18 of wes's movies and uh <laughs> he uh he was uh, in the thing he was in um uh, my movie thing yeah. and swamp thing uh, yeah. But he, uh, there was one uh, serpent in the rainbow, and and all of these different things. Uh, Tony was a fire guy, and was a specialty, but uh, was also a stunt coordinator. And yeah. he brought me in on this. And he, you know, when he would talk about Wes, you know, he said, "Oh, he's a really cool guy." And I did three movies with him. And then after I decided to kind of hang up my shoulder pads, um, he said, "Hey, Wes is looking for a stunt. I mean, a web developer." And I said, oh, I do that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but don't tell him you do movies because he doesn't want some guy that's going to, you know, try to be getting a movie job out of it, mm. which was funny because I'd already uh. worked for him three times. And he, I had made such an impression. He had no idea who I was. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But uh, when we, when I started to just work with him, he's the funniest guy you'd ever want to meet. Not dark, not creepy, you know, like, uh, like your dad's best buddy that just cracks you up at the dinner table. Well, a lot of his movies have that. Even his horror movies have a sense of humor to them, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
and a very gentle sort of soul kind of uh, uh always seemed like he was like he was still trying to make his best movie you know uh, people would really really appreciate not you know just horror fans and uh, i was doing his site for him when he did uh music the heart and some of these other movies that were not you know horror at all it was you know meryl streep yeah and i think he finally felt like yeah now people are going to see me as a director it's kind of one of those things he's been gone for a while now and i think of how many people tell me oh my gosh best director ever it's like oh he needed to hear that he needed to hear it from you know he yeah. needed to hear it from the academy you know yeah he, he needed to be validated by somebody with authority yeah, yeah. and somebody that uh, whose standards you know in, in horror films you know I, I i listen to a lot of different horror podcasts yeah and people will like the worst movies i just it just makes me scratch my head like wait a minute wait a minute you didn't see that coming yeah and they they but they loved these films. And I think Wes just thought the bar wasn't raised high enough in horror. And I think it was with Scream and, and, and all that. Although he also told me, Scream 3, that's it. They won't make another. I I swear on my life. I swear on the lives of my children. Scream 3 is going to be the end. Coming up on Scream 6 or 7 or whatever it is coming up. Yeah, Scream 6 is next month. That's what's making me worried. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't, you know, yeah. it's beloved franchise. You don't want it to get too. I know. I like, so. It yeah. looks the trailers are great, and I, yeah. I look at that and go, "Please don't disappoint me. I've been hurt before." The yeah. last time a killer went to New York, it was Jason Takes Manhattan. We can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Please don't oh, do God. that to me. Yeah, yeah. God, I mean, or well, Jason also went to space. That was good, though, right? That was uh, we got Uber Jason <laughs> out of that. Yeah, I, when I saw the, the story was wasn't great, but there are some kills that were pretty good to see. <laughs> the hell you mean the story a, wasn't great? I have a, a shirt that uh, somebody sent to me, and it's a hybrid of Jason and the Predator. Uh, and I was in, you know, not Jason, uh, Freddy and the Predator. And it says, the Predator. And for me, that's, I, I was laughing about it because I was in Predator 2 and then, in, you know, all these different uh, uh, Freddy movies. And people are like, is that real? I'm like, do you want it to be? Do you seriously want that to be true? A hybrid of Freddy and uh, the Predator. <laughs> Good God, are you? There's got to be something original in this world yeah. <laughs> that we're not actually just going. Huh? We could make a few bucks on Predator. But yeah, I don't think that'd be a good movie. I, <laughs> be I, I, it's one of those things that can probably be a great comic book. You know, maybe that yeah. maybe that would work because it would be funny enough. But yeah, I just I look at some of these franchises and I go, please, you're just doing the same thing over and over. Would you just stop running? You know, just there's there's original ideas out there right you know so uh, i guess maybe not i mean i i know it's easy to make i mean and and you know i asked wes one time when is freddie gonna die he's like when he stops making money exactly it's the house <laughs> what did they yeah. say about new line cinema it's the house that freddie built or paid for or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah and i was actually it was funny i was watching nightmare three last night in preparation yeah. for this and i realized yeah was wes was one of like five writers on that and he did have his hand in most of the freddy franchise but he didn't want to do another freddy he didn't feel like there was anything and then when all of them were done and we finally did freddy's dead then he came out with a new one which was west craven's new nightmare which was a kind of a take on what had happened to the cast and crew because of this film and uh, yeah. i remember him still thinking yeah i still didn't break the mold though I still didn't do it. And that's when Scream happened and uh, Kevin Williams yeah. brought in that book. And he was like, okay, now I can make a movie again. Now I can make a horror film that's going to absolutely break the mold and do something so new and so different. 
but I don't have to worry that people think I'm just, you know, rehashing my old movies over and over. And I think that made him very happy to be able yeah. to feel like, ah, oh, finally, something new, something different, something that's, you know, not in my wheelhouse already. Grim's going to be my all-time favorite movie, probably until the day I die. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's got it's, that. Yeah. It's really got that. You know, it was so unique for its time, still unique today. I mean, they say you can make as many sequels as you want. And, you know, yeah. I think they've done some interesting screams. Scream 2, I thought was all right. Three, four, five. Eh, you know, I, you just—it's hard to come up with something new when you're talking about a film that's tried to break the mold. When the big gimmick, when you had the big gimmick, it's—it's it's hard to uh, repeat perfection, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I look at Alien and then Aliens and go, "Yeah, they managed to do it." You know, they made yeah. a sequel that managed to rip it open, and then of course they did Alien seven the final beginning or whatever Uh, and it's just you lost me (laughs) yeah (laughs) went downhill fast from there yeah and i thought oh they're bringing sigourney back oh okay you know and then i was like oh sigourney do you have a boat payment to make what happened what happened (laughs) kids got new braces you fall on hard times you got a gambling problem why did you 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 broke my heart babe well i kind of like that uh i kind of like actors or actresses who will just take anything like you could, you know, Eric Roberts Mike, does that. Michael Caine. Michael, Michael Caine does Nick that. Cage. Michael Caine Nick Cage does that. You were like, yeah. you you will see yeah. them in like a Christopher Nolan movie one day, and then an Asylum picture the next day. And like, it's absolutely. I love that. And you know, I get it. I remember uh, I, I was. I'm a big fan of Michael Caine, and somebody had said, "Why did you do Jaws for?" I said, "Because I'm an actor." But they paid me to do it. You know? uh, I heard. That. I heard it was like, "Well, did you see? Uh, did you see the uh, house that I just bought?" And that was his answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a, a great story the other day I saw with him. He said he he tried out for the role of a Cockney tough guy in a play, and he didn't get it. And he said, "If I can't get a part as the Cockney tough guy in a play, I can't do anything." And he was so disappointed because he's Cockney, and you know, at the mm-hmm. time he was kind of a big guy. And he said, three years later, he drove by the theater. And the same guy that got that part was in the play still. And he says, and I pulled up in my Rolls Royce and went, well, that worked out all right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sometimes no is the answer that you need, not the answer. Sometimes you, you don't need to hear a yes every single time. Yeah. And, you know, of course, he says yes to almost anything. And he's done a lot of turds. I mean, some just terrible things. But he's also, I mean, you know, his work in, uh, in, in the Bat- I mean, the Batman movies was, I thought, yeah. excellent. And plenty of other movies, dozens and dozens. But he will do pretty much anything you'll pay him to do as long as his schedule is open. And I admire that. It's like, yeah, man, you know, they can't all be, you know, Oscar winners. Yeah. Sometimes you do the stuff and you don't know what it's going to happen. Cast so a wide enough that you, you're bound to get a couple Oscar winners out of that. Well, uh, watching uh, Nightmare 3 last night, uh, was Ar- Arquette, uh, Patricia Arquette. Excellent yeah, segue. Oscar winner. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> And uh, Johnny Depp, you know, was in uh, Nightmare One. Yeah. There's a handful of people that uh, were in Scream that, uh, you know, turned out to be, you know, much better, uh, you know, did, doing much bigger and better things and more. Uh, I'm trying to think like, uh, what was this? The guy that does, he was, I think it was a Scream 2 that he was in. He did. Uh, Timothy Oliphant? Time. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking uh, another. Gerald Connell? He does, the, he, does, he does Ray Donovan. Oh, uh I don't know. He oh. played Cotton Weary. What's his name, though? I know. I know. Are yeah. you talking about the dude from uh, Kangaroo Jack? <laughs> no, that's uh, Jerry O'Connell. Uh, what is his name? Well, it's, at least it's not just 
my concussions talk and it's yours too how good yeah <laughs> but i'm a, yeah it's uh yeah so there's a lot of you know a lot of folks started out in low budget you know horror films that were incredibly skilled and you know went on to much bigger and better things and that's awesome you know i that's why when I was oh, doing uh, leave Schreiber. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, old saber tooth. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, obviously a, a very gifted actor doing, you know, great work and, you know, yeah. uh, and you know, uh, there's just a lot of them out there that, you know, did these films and I think they did them going, well, it's a credit. My agent wants me. Never knowing that they're like making a classic. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and hopefully not getting so pigeonholed into doing, you know, just genre films that uh, they get stuck there. So, you, so uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Dave. You go. No, I was just gonna ask, uh, of the stunt work that you've done in your whole like filmography, do you have one that stands out in which you were like, I don't know if I can do that? Yeah, um, another 80s movie. Uh, I, I used to double the Corys. It was Corey Feldman and Corey- uh, Oh, and the Lost Boys? Haim. Yeah, <laughs> and they also did a movie called uh, License to Drive. And mm. there's a scene at the very beginning of the film where the kid is inside. He's having a dream and he's just terrified that he's going to be driving the bus for the rest of his life. So he's driving in the bus with a bunch of kids who are all just like zombies and the bus drivers going nuts. And he looks out and he sees his dream girl sitting in a in a Ferrari and he's like, oh, man, I want that so bad. And so he dives through the rear window of the bus while it's moving uh, down the street you know, rolls to his feet, jumps in the car and, uh, you know, scoots off with the girl. And then I remember thinking, because we, since we were going down the street, I had to land on a follow vehicle. And I thought, I'm going to go through glass, which is never fun. It's candy glass, but it's still sharp and it still cuts it pretty deep. Not as cool yeah, doing it in person as it looks on TV. Yeah. No, no. And I, I remember thinking, all right, well, we're going to do that. And then I have to basically do sort of a, I got I got to land in sort of a judo slap as I land on the follow vehicle, which is basically a trailer. But there's a camera on the trailer. There's a camera on the vehicle following next door. So there's a lot of stuff. And I thought, what if I don't go far enough? I get run over. Uh, what if I, I hit my heels? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I remember just thinking to myself, I could actually really get hurt doing this. And it wasn't a great stunt. You know, this isn't, uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Cool. This is a teen movie. And I thought, yeah, I could really get screwed up. I didn't necessarily get hurt too bad. I got some glass stuck in my arm. We had to do it a couple of times. But I remember at the time thinking, I wonder what this is worth dollars-wise. Because I could, get, I could really get maimed doing this. And so when it was done, he said, how much do you want? I'm like, I don't know, 500 bucks each? He's like, no, 1500 you idiot. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> and then you learn never to lowball yourself ever again. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. And, but I remember thinking to myself, I actually just priced my life for $500. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have known either. Like, uh, I would have said yeah. something probably less. Like, so how much do we owe you? I don't know. Uh, a buck fifty? Yeah, yeah. You just don't know, you know. And the only stunt that actually ever really hurt me on set, there was another total nobody ever saw it movie called uh, Breaking the Rules, and I had to get stuffed into a clothes dryer. And uh, what happens is in the story, he gets stuffed in the clothes dryer, and then it gets stuck. The door won't open. Mm. Spinning around and spinning around until he barfs. And they put me in a real clothes dryer at a real laundromat, and they turned the heat off, but they had to have so many lights on the uh on the thing to show that i was actually in there that uh it got just as warm as far as i was concerned and they would run it for a minute at a time 
So you think, okay, oh. well, that's, I mean, it's not that bad, right? But think that's about terrible. That sounds awful. Yeah, think about think about being out on you know in the gym and you have to do sixty consecutive uh, somersaults across the ground. When you Oof. got up, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to barf. Yeah, totally barf. So I do it the first time and I get out and every time that thing would turn upside down, it would drop me on my head. Oof. And I would, and I'm hitting those stupid paddles inside, you know, that uh, are supposed to, you know, agitate your laundry. Uh, and so every time that thing would turn upside down, bang, it'd land on my head. This know, just seems so like non-professional. Like, like it, it feels like surely there would have been a easier way to film a scene like that without actually shoving you yeah. in, a, in a in a in a dryer. Well, yeah. so we do it, you know, and I get out, and my stunt coordinator looks at me and he says, "How are you?" And I said, I, "I'm bleeding." Dude, I got I got this spot on the back of my head, man. I whacked my head, and, he, and uh, he's like, "Okay, we're going again." Like, oh God! Oh God! And he says, "Can you do it again?" I said, "I can, but I'm gonna barf." He's like, "No, you're not." I'm like, "No, dude, I'm this close now." He's like, "Can will you do it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll do it, but you know, I'm just forewarning you." I'm like, I said, yeah. "Put a trash can, you know, a lined one, uh, close." And he's laughing, and I'm like, "I'm really not kidding about that." <laughs> and so I get yeah. out, and. <laughs> I hadn't had lunch, but I, I, I did a nice work, uh, piece of work on that. And so barf all over the place. And my middle name is actually Ralph. So from uh, that point forward, everybody in the street has to call me Ralphie. Thank you. Uh, your name is yeah. Ralph Perry. Yeah. William Ralph Perry. Yeah. So now it's why it only William R on everything. Yeah. But so we do it again, you know, and he's like, can you do it another time? I'm like, no, what? No, I'm done. I'm not going to make any money on this bullshit. You know, yeah. I'm not going to whack my head again. And I got home and I recognized I had a concussion from it, uh, from, from just the repeated wax on the head. And it's one of those things that the movie never even came out. I mean, it's on video, but it never went out in the theaters. And it's uh, I, I watched it the other day just because I've, I've been sort of putting together a, a collection in my little library of everything I've done. And I was the what's his name? Bateman. Um Got the kids that's on Ozark kid. <laughs> oh, oh, Jason, uh, Bateman? Jason Bateman. Yeah. yeah. Jason Bateman. I'm thinking Justine. I'm like, no, it was, a, it was definitely a guy. Uh, so I realized that's, I was his double. I'm like, I didn't even, I didn't even know who he was at the time because he mm. wasn't really, you know, uh, the guy, you know, wasn't as big a star as he is now. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I got my, just, I, mean, I got a concussion. I got beaten. I got burned and I got bled. <laughs> Did they come up to you? Did they come <laughs> up to you and go, out? Sorry, I said, did, or did they come up to you? Go, a concussion, you're bleeding, and everything. So, how much you want? Yeah, well, that's the thing. The guy who did it was like, so he, he had to do it after because they wanted to go one more time, and I'm like, yeah. can't do it. So he didn't actually even give me a stunt adjustment for it because he, he was said, oh, you're a puss. I'm like, puss <laughs> I may be, but I'm not gonna. I mean, I was so dizzy. In fact, since yeah. that day, I uh, I used to do some gymnastics kind of stuff. Now I can't roll over in bed quickly without getting super dizzy. And that day, it was since that day, that effed me up bad. Never the left you. Thing, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, I've done so many other better stunts that, you know, I, I would say, yeah, that was a pretty good stunt. Nope. That's the one that effed me up. You know, that's the one that I probably will suffer dementia from later. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've had like seven concussions and that was probably about number five. And I, you know, now they tell you, oh, you wouldn't let somebody play football if they had three concussions. I'm like, oh, is <laughs> Seven bad then? Yeah. You wouldn't let bad. this guy was, jump out of a bad. moving car who's had five concussions? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, uh, some of them were from like martial arts and skateboarding before I got into the business, but who knew? Who knew that head injuries were bad? <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> most people, Bill. Yeah. Most people would say that's bad. Well, on like the opposite spectrum, is there a uh, set that you were on that just stood out? It was like the best set you were on? Yeah, that's the easy one. Hook. Oh, oh, I'm dude. glad that we're talking Steven, about Hook now. <laughs> Steven freaking Spielberg. Oh, my God. I, oh. I, I remember going into the sets. They had just uh, kind of finished building the sets, and we were doing some tests. And so we're going to be the Lost Boys that are going to attack Hook's ship. That's this cool. Ship is real. It is full size. I mean, it is as big as a real ship, and it's in water. And the rest of the set is the, sit the ship has been pulled into, um, I guess, you know, where the pirates live. And it's basically a bunch of other uh, boats that have been stacked on top of one another. Like, and it looks almost like apartment buildings. And I walked in and went, oh, my God, that's the freaking coolest thing I've ever seen. And they say, yeah, this is the ship you're going to be attacking. And they, they took us up to the rafters of this very, very tall uh, studio in uh, Universal City. And we go up into the rafters and you grab onto this rope. And on the rope is a big piece of leather. And what would happen is you'd hang onto that piece of leather. And then when the rope would sort of connect with the rafters, you had to release your grip enough that you could slide down the rope to where there was a big knot. And that's where you really needed to stop because that was all measured out so that when you swung, you'd end up being at just the right height to grab onto the, the ropes that uh, you were supposed to grab onto. And we're up about 60 feet and I'm looking down at this set going, dude, when I wanted to be in movies, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be on a set like this with a director that's so well known, you know, dressed in a cool, you know, wardrobe and makeup and all that stuff. And I mean, you're in Neverland. Guys. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And and we were talking about. It. I said we're up there and we're you know swinging down and we're doing some practice shots to show uh, Spielberg what we were going to do. And I looked at the other guys and I said, I'd be doing this for free. <laughs> Absolutely. This is what you you know when you're a 20 year old kid, you're like. I want to do something stupid. Today. People would Let's pay to, to have this experience. Exactly. Yeah. And and I just remember thinking that this is exactly what you want to do. And and uh, uh, Newsies was another Disney thing. Yeah. We get into the set, and there's two full blocks of New York Town built and completely dressed as if it was turn of the century, you know, 1900s uh, uh, New York, and it was just beautiful. They'd done such amazing work. And there's people cooking food, <laughs> you know, actually the, the street vendors are actually cooking food and doing these things. And I'm looking at the set and I'm like, this is so cool. And then I hear somebody go playback. I'm like, no freaking way. This is a musical. I said, they didn't tell you that. I'm like, no, said, yeah, your, your stunts will be done to music. I'm like, okay, fourth grade, Bill Perry sitting in class, not doing his job because he wants to be an actor. I am so convinced I want to be an actor. And one day, I'm going to be on a set and they're going to go playback and we're going to do our thing. And there I was, you know, and I just, I remember that moment. I still get the hair on my arms just rise. Like that was the best freaking day ever. It's like everything I ever wanted about being in movies happened in one show in one moment. I just thought, Oh my God, it doesn't get better than this. This is so much fun. And people would pay money to do this and they're paying me a stupid amount of money to be here. Aside from yeah. uh, Wes Craven, uh, have you ever been on set and been truly starstruck by anybody who may have been on set? You know, uh, it's another movie you mentioned, uh, Home Alone 2. Uh, I grew up in the, you know, 70s, 80s, so I'm old fart. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, Tim Curry, 
Oh, yeah, Tim Curry. Yeah. But I was. I'm doing a scene with him, and I, <laughs> I see him there, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, it's Tim Curry, it's Tim Curry. Now we grew uh, up watching uh, Rocky Horror every Saturday night at the Rialto Theater in Pasadena, yeah. and so there he is, and I'm doing a scene with him, you know, and so I walk up to him, and I have to introduce myself, and I'm just about to wet myself, and I said, oh, Mr. Curry, my name's uh, Bill, and, and uh, I'm going to be doing the stunt with you. He's like, uh huh, and he's just staring at me, and I said. I just, I have to tell you, I'm a big fan. And I would just, all my friends at home are just going to freak out when I told him I met you. And he just kind of gives me this long stare and says, say hi to your friends for me. Like, oh, shit. I so blew that. <laughs> I, just, I gave him nothing to talk about. Yeah. I, just, I just blew yeah. it. I mean, what a he, he's just like, well, that's, uh, like, that's cool. Freaking Tim Curry. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, you have a good day. Oh, shit. Uh, I got to work with George Burns. I don't know if you guys know him, if you're old enough to know uh, George Burns, but he was like back to vaudeville days. Did the movie Oh God, uh, just an old comedian, you know, early days of radio, early days of television. It was like 90 or 100 when he died, but just one of those people who was a legend, legend, you know, sort of status uh, where it was like I, I got to sit next to him and just talk to him most of the day while he's sitting smoking cigars and <laughs> telling stories about, you know, what it was like when the talkies happened. You know? <laughs> it's like, my God, you know. And then a handful of uh, Bill Paxton, another really super cool guy, super nice to me. Uh, we were doing Predator 2 and I'm a gangster, you know, and if you, yeah. if you see my picture, I'm not, I don't look like a gangster. I'm preppy and nerdy i looked like scott bayo back in the day <laughs> and so he sees me and i'm sitting in a chair that says you know, bill on it and he says your name bill and i said yes and he's like, oh you're in my chair man i'm like oh sorry 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 he goes, oh, <laughs> you're in bill pax's chair <laughs> yeah and he says are you a uh are you the one of the gangsters and i said yeah and he goes no 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 did you ever see terminator I'm like no gosh i've never heard of it <laughs> what, what is that an indie film terminator. Yeah. yeah, freaking Terminator, right? Yeah. And he says, that was my first film. And I said, really? He goes, and I was a gangster. He said, this is the day you get to be on camera and talk. That's awesome. That? Oh. I said, no. And he goes, this day is the best day ever. And you never get it back. Do not miss this day. Don't let it go too fast. Do your best work. Relax and have the best time. He says, the next time you see this, your face is going to be 50 feet across on a screen and a big budget movie never happens again. I mean, not like for the first time. I'm like, what a cool guy. I love yeah, stories I was, like that. I was so, yeah, that's I was so advice, nervous yeah. and I did. I was never, I wasn't nervous anymore. You know, I was chilled and I just felt like I'm going to do my best work today. You know, this is going to be great. And, you know, I, I, I get a few lines and, and it's, you know, it's fun. But I just remember thinking, what a nice thing to do. He didn't have to do anything. He could have told me just to get the hell in my chair. Yeah. But he, he took the time to make sure that everybody on the film was was really going to be able to do their best work. And, what well, you know, the movie was, it's another sequel, you know. <laughs> but uh, I know a lot of people who liked it. Um, you know, I liked my part in it. He had me overlooked me massively. But I'm, I'm still getting <laughs> over that. But, you know, it was one of those things like, what a cool guy. What a nice thing to do. And it really taught me, like, yeah, if I ever get... To any you know level where somebody's looking up to me like that oh yeah you got to be that guy because what a, i mean he's yeah. a legend for it i mean it's so so sad that he passed but one of those things were like yeah i will never forget that day not that i probably ever would have but i never would have thought of it so positively and so you know just in awe of such a cool guy who's a great actor too i mean did, did a lot of uh, fun kind of goofy 
buddy film kind of stuff. But he was also in Titanic, you know, <laughs> he yeah. was in all these great films, you know, where he was just the dude, you know, and not always the leading man, but sometimes he was. And just what a cool dude and what a cool thing to have have had happen in my life that I get to remember for the rest of, you know, probably another five years until the head injuries take over yeah you hear way too many stories of people like <laughs> i met so and so and he was an asshole and this person this guy like is, is a jerk to like wait staff and stuff like that i like hearing stories yeah. like that about yeah. where they're yeah they're they're great to, people yeah i got to work with michael jackson actually for a summer touring across europe another uh you know odd guy i don't know that ever, he did all the stuff everybody says he did i didn't see any anything was even close to that but now I'm not going to weigh in on that, but he was a cool guy. Um, we were in uh, Romania and we go to this, uh, we're just kind of all buzzing around and we go to a uh, orphanage and there's all these kids there and um, there's no toys. And he said, I thought we bought toys for this place. And they said, yeah, sometimes the people who work here, you know, they're really poor and they take the toys home to their own kids because, you know, they're all volunteers. Yeah. And so he turns to this guy, Benny, and he says, Benny, empty out the drop off. Now, and drop off is like the biggest plane in the world. And it had yeah. all of our touring gear in it. He says, empty out the undrop off, go get, go fly back to England and go get toys for these kids. And he turns to Michael and says, Michael, it's 10 o'clock at night, man. You know, <laughs> you know what it's going to take to empty out that plane? I mean, if there's even anybody in England that's open. And he turns to me and says, I didn't ask you, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. like, Just get it done. Yeah. You know, and so they did. They, fl- they <sighs> emptied out the plane. He flew back and he made sure that when he was there that the kids knew that yeah you know somebody cares about you and here's a bunch of toys and he gave like two million dollars to him as well which wow. there with thirty dollars was a monthly salary at the time Jeez. you know for the average yeah. joe so two million dollars kind of no that should last a bit oh yeah um, oh, yeah so, a little you know, bit just and, and, and did a lot of that kind of nice stuff and you know people can talk about his motives and all that i don't even want to you know consider that it's i just i just think of i look at the good deed and go i don't want to i don't want to undo it yeah. It was a really yeah. cool thing to do. And he was yeah. very, nice, very nice to us. Uh, you know, we were paid a great deal of money to do very, very little and have yeah. a lot of fun and travel the world and, you know, do all these, you know, awesome things. I got nothing, got nothing bad to say about, about the guy. I don't know anything bad because I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. I mean, yeah. yeah. People say, well, you should, you should read about it. I'm like, why would I want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> why, why am I going to undo my story? Spoil, spoil a good memory I have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like if he did those things, okay. I'd... Didn't change the fact that it was still yeah. a good day. I mean, still, yeah. yeah, still a good man to me. Yeah. I mean, people say, well, he's probably doing that for because of his guilt. Yeah, I do a lot of shit like that, too. I do a lot of things that make up for bad things I did in the past, too. But uh, maybe not those things. Let's not go there. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, just, I took us to a dark place again. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Is there any like moments or anything that happened on the set of uh, Dream Warriors that stand out to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. My, yeah. my favorite favorite probably favorite stunt story uh in that vein of all time there's a scene and you, you've seen this um where a big freddy i'm going to use the word snake uh mm. comes up out of the walls and it tears up the place and then it basically tries to chew up mr Miss arquette well yeah. the thing was they bring this thing out and the way they filmed it was it they have her basically half eaten by this thing and then they back it out and then they show the film in reverse so yeah. it looks like it's chomping her up so she's laying on the ground and the 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 one you see in the film is not the original look and feel it was big and pink and veiny 
and long. <laughs> and, and very suggestive. Has, uh, <laughs> a very, I, I'm not even going to say suggestive. It's a dick. It's a big ass dick. Nothing and subtle about we're it. Watching this, so we're watching this and you can hear the giggling begin. And Rachel Talloy was the production designer on this. And she hears this and everybody's giggling. And it's just, you know, it's moving around the room. Yeah. And then finally she's, what is so fucking funny? <laughs> and somebody says, that's the first time I ever saw a penis eat a girl to get in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> we just, and the place broke up and she's laughing. Everybody, and there's pictures. You can find them on the Internet of her basically kind of like leaning against her penis, you know, <laughs> uh, that's chomping her down. And so we're laughing and she's like, God damn it. Everybody shut the hell up. And so she's, you know, yelling and screaming. And she said, somebody get something to put something on it so it doesn't look so pink and penis like so there's you know everybody everybody's giggling nobody can stand it so somebody comes in and he's got this big like five gallon bucket of green goop and so he's slathering green goop on it to take the pink away and then the giggling starts again and it gets and it's going around the room so you know it's a whisper campaign of what you know everybody's finding so funny and then every every time it gets you know to the next person it gets louder and funnier and somebody said, she, Rachel says, what now? And he goes, your penis has got some funk on it. <laughs> got some schmutz on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really, you might want to wipe that bad boy down before you yeah. use it again. And so she just storms out. She's so pissed. And the, and the laughter just ensues. Yeah, And so it was just, it was one of those things. That, you know, if you've ever had a giggle fit, you know, you're sitting in seventh grade and somebody says, you know, boobs, and you start giggling. Yeah. And it makes it around them. And then no matter what anybody says, you can't stop thinking about it. And it's just, you know, you've got that contagious laughter that, you know, you're, you're tired, you're burnt out and you just can't stop. And all it takes is somebody to just look at you and put their finger up and go, and you start giggling like it was the first time all over again. That was the whole day. Not a anything minute of film day. was yeah. filmed that day. No, I mean, not yeah. anything good. <laughs> just, there's like, we're going to have to redo the sound on that. Can we get those, you know, those, you know, to get the lighting guys to get the hell out of here until they could stop laughing. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, like an entire seventh grade class just developed in the middle of the of middle of the day. So yeah, every, I just every time anybody asks, what's the funniest? I'm like, you know, that was one of those days where just, you know, tears running down your face and you're just, you're, you're laughing and crying into your arm because you don't want to leave. You know, you don't want to, you want to leave set because if you leave set, somebody's going to go, where's Bill? Yeah. Stay close, you asshole. <laughs> so yeah, you're having to stay by, but you just know you can't keep it together. You just can't. So that was one of those ones. And that, and I, I watched it last night. And as I watched it, I was like, yep, they, they put some funk on it. But he's still he's still quite the penis. Every I mean, time I it watch it back sense. now, I'm going to think of that like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't unsee it once you've seen it. Then you're just going to be like, oh, my God. Look at the back. Look at the head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, and then Dave will be giggling like a little girl for her. For yeah. Her. yeah, yeah. See, don't watch it with your kid. You're going to be like, uh, Daddy, why is this funny to you? Mm. It's not. It's not. I promise. It, yeah. It's not funny. It's sad is what it yeah. is. It's scary now. Yeah. And that film, it's funny. I mean, you, get, you guys have seen it, right? Yes. Yeah. Have you seen it recently? It's actually playing yeah. as we're speaking right now. Okay. Now, the scene I was uh, in, I was uh, Will Stanton's double. So he's the kid that's in the wheelchair. Oh, OK. And so in the in the I actually just the other day down the rabbit hole of the Internet, I found somebody was selling the original wheelchair, the the Freddy scary wheelchair for fifteen thousand dollars. It didn't sell. 
but uh, that's what they wanted yeah. for it. Fi- they wanted ten thousand to fifteen thousand dollars. But if you watch it now, let me just ask you: Did you? I mean, that film has some great uh, special effects in terms of like practical effects. Yes, um, more than. I would have thought, and I haven't watched it in a long time. The the thing that is kind of CGI looks like CGI, but the yeah. thing that isn't looks pretty darn good. So you're watching the wheelchair. Do you notice anything about the wheelchair? It's not a real it's wheelchair. It's not a real. Well, it's you know real enough. Three hundred pounds. Yeah, you know, it chases poor Will Stanton. How yeah. does it do it? How does it do it? Uh, I guess there's probably a line attached to it on the other side. Someone's pulling it. Oh, my God. If you can't see those wires, you are so in wonderful, you know, li- land of just make-believe. Disbelief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You are, you have, you know, you have decided to throw your disbelief to the wayside. Because I every time I watch it, even the very first time I watch it, and I'm like, you can see, number one, that it's like I'm, look, I look like I'm running through tires. Because I'm trying to keep my knees up. Because I can't step on the line that is actually running between my feet. Um, because that's what the line they're pulling it with. And it's so obvious. If you watch it now, you're going to be like, oh, my God. How did they think that worked? How did they not try to do something to get rid of the wires? They're so obvious. I, I just remember watching it and I just like, I can't watch this again. I'll never watch this again. <laughs> Look at the wires. That's so lame. And That's the scariest part stuff. of the whole movie. Yeah. Well, and the thing was, they I, when we were doing it, I'm like, why am I? Why is this even a stunt? You know. And they're like, that that uh, wheelchair weighs 300 pounds, <laughs> and if it hits you, you're dead. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Oh, okay. The element of the the element of the stunt comes in. They said, yeah, do not let this hit you. This Why does the wheelchair weigh so much? Yeah, if you're just uh, pulling it, was, it along with the... Well, it's because of the weight of it, for one. Uh, and what they basically did was they took that wire that you can't see, uh, <laughs> that you can't, actually can't unsee, and they tie it to a motor, like a Volkswagen motor. And so uh, somebody off, you know, down the way is, you know, running the uh, throttle on that bad boy. And so once it's coming, it ain't stopping. It's not going to stop until it gets past me or over me or through me. So... Uh, they hit the gas on this thing and boom, it just yanks that sucker and it's coming. And so uh, you got to run without stepping and tripping on the wires and uh, you got to get out of the way when it comes by because it would really, it would trash you. Never, fortunately, did hit me. And I think we did it half a dozen times. But yeah, that was, uh, but when I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, I wanted to love this. I wanted, this was a, you know, this is a pivotal, cool looking, iconic, you know, stunt from a, a really good, scary movie. Yeah, I can't get past the wires. I just can't. I want to. It's like I want to go back and like you know, uh, put it in uh, into uh, you know my my editing software here and I'm like okay, I'm just gonna wipe that out. Edit out the wires. <laughs> if I have to go frame by frame, I'm gonna fix that damn thing. Were you a fan of, of Nightmare on Elm Street before you got offered the the work in three? I I had seen Nightmare One. And because uh, my, my buddy Tony was the stunt coordinator on that one, and he did like the big fire burn in it. So we'd all seen it. Um, when I saw it, I didn't think it was that scary. I'm not sure why. Um, I guess my suspension of disbelief was a little harder to get that time. And then when I saw two, it was like, hmm. And then when I when we did three, it's like, OK, there's some interesting new stuff here. You know, I, I don't want to I never want to really like trash a movie that I've done yeah. because I find that when I talk to people, it's like, but I love that movie. It's like, oh, and I just, I just screwed it up. I'm sorry. You know, I don't want anybody to feel, you know. But yeah. there's, there, you know, I, I remember it for different reasons, and so, yeah. um, it's harder for me to sort of like put myself in the shoes of the person that just watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me, you know, some guy, some guy, like, you know, for the first time, 
you know, felt up a girl in the theater that day. And he remembers that movie like it was the <laughs> best day of his life. So don't don't yeah. ruin that. Don't take that away from him. Uh, yeah. I talk about movies. I mean, I did enjoy them, yeah. but I, I saw them very clinically uh, after that. So it's kind of like, yeah, it, it kind of takes something away when you've it's like that movie took forever. It was like watching paint dry. And there's always smoke in the air in all these Freddy movies. And that's uh, because these movies were very pretty much low budget. Yeah. They're burning baby oil to make the smoke. Um, it's not toxic, but it might. Well, actually, it might be toxic. I don't know. It's pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. And so, like, when I think about those movies, I just remember the smell of burning baby oil and uh, sitting and waiting. Well, like when they did that scene where the the big Freddy weenie is uh, trying to menace the girl, they had to tear the walls apart. And they could only do it one time because, you know, once you tear that set up, you've torn it up. So yeah. a lot of this stuff was so much waiting and getting ready and hoping that this was all going to work right because the, they just didn't have the money to do it again. You know, so a lot of uh, preparation and stuff. So there's a you know, sort of tactical mindset you get into these things. And so it's really not scary when you see it because it's there. That was just that's just a wire. You know, that was just this. That was yeah. just that. So watching them was less fun. That's why, like, I think Scream blew my mind because I read it, but I had I was there when they filmed it. I didn't was part of the film process. So when I saw it, it was just you know, wow, what a scary freaking movie. You know, and I'm a lot better at watching movies that I didn't you know wasn't involved in or I didn't people in because you see somebody on screen, you're like, hey, there's Dick Butler. You know, oh, <laughs> just lost all my. All my suspension of disbelief when you know, see that guy, like, I know that guy. He didn't get killed. But yeah, I, I'd say, you know, I'm more of a fan of them now, you know, looking back on them because there's so much camp humor to them, you know, uh, so yeah. much, you know, so many, uh, all the, you know, the kill lines, you know, welcome to prime time, bitch, you know, and, and yeah. <laughs> it's the chair for you, kid, and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's, uh, it, it's like when you watch the old James Bond, the really old James Bonds, where he always had some little catchy, you know, oh, just being disarming. Darling, after he yeah. ripped the guy's arm off, it was always done with you know in good fun. I like the newer ones better. I like the the more recent James Bonds because he's you know it's more like the book and it's a little grittier and nastier and he's a badass. And the old ones he was so suave, you know. So I think uh, I I like them more now than I did then because I don't remember making them that much. So I can kind of go back and enjoy them and go, oh, that's a fun scene. That's a good. Oh, that was a good kill. Did you actually get to interact with like uh, Robert or Heather at all while filming this? Or um, I did a little bit with Robert, um, right. but very little, really, because most of the times when you're doing a lot of this stuff, if there's a stunt involved, there usually isn't the actor present because yeah. it's something dangerous. But in uh, in Nightmare Three, he uh, picks me up and gouges out my part, I guess. So they, you know, the, uh, both of us actually ended up doing part of it. Uh, they, they recognized after they kind of strung me up that it wasn't really that big a deal just to hang there. And uh, yeah. so they let uh, Ira do it as well. But uh, yeah, you know, sometimes Lisa, you really get a chance to hang out with these people and, and, and you know, get to know them a little bit. Robert was almost always in makeup. So you didn't get much uh, time with them. In fact, it's one of his you know, biggest complaints about it was, God, you thought they'd come up with some way to get that makeup on sooner. But he's, you know, in makeup two to four hours every day. Yeah. And just sitting there waiting while people stick stuff to you and then tear it all off and have it, you know, pull out your eyebrow hairs and everything else. So, yeah, a lot of the really the bigger stars, you just didn't I mean, like Freddie, you just you didn't get to spend much time with him just because you didn't get to spend much time doing anything once he was in the suit film. 
film as fast as we can. Yeah. We want to, you know, we've only got so much time with Robert before we got to take him out of all that makeup again. But uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else in any of these. Not so much, I guess. Yeah, a lot of times it was all like uh, I was on Star Trek for a while and I got to hang out with Will Wheaton. I was his double. and But that was, you know, one of the sort of few and far between uh, the Corey's. But, you know, these were I was also in my, you know, mid 20s and these kids were like 13, 14. I didn't really have much to offer them nor than me as far as conversation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goes. You know, we talk about like, OK, so what do you want as a stunt person? You want to make sure that you're making your actor look good. So I yeah. say, is there anything that you did that I can mimic, you know, real carefully to make uh, sure little idiosyncrasies? Yeah. 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 You know, uh, do you remember anything special that you did that, you know, or I would tell them, hey, when I did this, you know, I made sure my hands were kind of far apart. So if you're going to be doing any part of this, you know, leading up to it, Make sure your hands are apart because mine were. So, yeah. you, you know, you did that for the good of the film. But, mm -hmm. uh, if you wanted to get work from that actor again, you really wanted to make sure it really looked like them and it make them look really good. When we were doing Nightmare 4, there was a, a karate sequence. And my brother Larry is a, a, a ninth degree black belt, total freaking badass. And uh, after he saw the film, he said, did you tell anybody that I was your uh, karate teacher? I said, no. He goes, thanks, man. <laughs> wow so i thought he looked pretty good he goes yeah that's what you thought <laughs> but uh, those kids you know i i, rem uh, I remember i saw ira hayden who was the i doubled him on um nightmare three and uh elvira mistress of the dark uh done within just a few months of each other and i happened to see him at one of the cons and it was so great to see him he was such a nice guy and i realized He's only like five years younger than me. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, you aged really well, man. And he's like, how old are you? I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell him. And he's like, yeah, I'm only five years younger than you. I'm like, wow, you really aged well. Damn. <laughs> that just made me feel uh, way worse. Yeah. <laughs> way worse. Yeah. God, I, I look like shit in comparison. But uh, it was uh, it was interesting because uh, he was, you know, was really not that much uh, younger than me. And, and probably if he didn't wanted to do his own stunts, probably could have. But I'm glad he didn't because, you know residual checks and, and i got to work but yeah just you know really uh for the most part you know some of these kids i actually did get to be friends with if we had you know something in common and we, you know like when i saw ira he was like my brother from another movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like oh man and you know i got a chance to kind of hang out with him and say hello after awesome. many years but yeah most of these like anybody that was cool then was still cool nobody turned out to be you know if they were Dick back then or Dick now too. <laughs> Just my experience. <laughs> yeah, people don't nothing, change. Nothing changed to make them better. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine doing a whole other episode of William Perry's True Hollywood Stories. Yes, is, yes. The, the yeah. dark and dirty. We'll do the the uh, the one that's now tell us the bad stories. Tell us the 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 cedic underbelly. The seedy uh, <laughs> <the CD laughs> underbelly of uh, Hollywood. I didn't the, there was the Coke parties in the seedy yeah. uh, underbelly goes all the way around the back. I got to be honest. <laughs> the, 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 the Coke fueled orgies in the. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you. There, you know, there is one story that I won't I won't name names, but there was a kid I was doubling, and they said. Uh, you know, he came up to me and said, hey, can you do me a favor? I'm like, what's that? He said, can I buy your pee? And oh. Like, oh I, I grew up in a very clean household. You know? yeah. That's what he was hoping. And I'm like, why? <laughs> did you? Yeah, exactly. I didn't know. At first, I thought it was like some kinky thing. I, I, didn't, I didn't know when he made, what, you know, when does that little kid do drugs? Yeah. You know? And uh, he said, look, man, if I'm out of work, you're out of work. I'm like, you know, I, I can't do it. Mm. He's like, oh, really? I'm like, I'm sorry. He's like, yeah, you will be. And I didn't work on the show after that. Yeah. He asked for another double. But it's like, you know what, dude? Sorry, I can't, you know. I don't need that kind of drama. Yeah. And I mean, if, if I was caught, 
you know, oh my gosh. And, and just, yeah. I mean, come on, clean your act up, you know, don't yeah. come into me asking me to make it so you can, you know, enable you to do, you know, stupid stuff. Uh, we were talking to Drew um, on a movie called Poison Ivy. She had, was very clear about how her childhood was lost to drugs because, mm. you know, that's what kept, uh, that's what kept her working. You know, when she was a little kid, I mean, she was a little kid and they were plying her with drugs to keep her, cause, you know, keep her busy, keep her, you know, working. And I was like, wow. And she, you know, she found her own way to clean herself up and do all that, which is awesome. She yeah. was clean by the time I met her. But what a, like you say, seedy underbelly. It's like, God, who would, who would allow that to happen with their kid just for the, for the money? Really? Yeah. God, if somebody did something to my kid like that, I'd skin him alive. It's like, how dare you even approach? I mean, if my kid falls down and skins his knee, I cry for an hour. If somebody was actually doing something to cause them real harm over a long period of time, I just, oh my gosh. So you did see some of that. So mm. there, is, there is some CD underbelly. I, yeah. I try not to linger on it because I remember a lot of good stuff too. Yeah. But there is some of that where you just go, wow, I guess. Um, being in the I guess there is some of that truth to the old Hollywood stereotype, I guess, uh, a little truth to it. Yeah. 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 They, you know, people would do anything to be in movies, you know, and that's uh, sad, you know. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, I've been like my experience was super cool. I, you know, I've just been a very blessed guy to have opportunities just pop up out of nowhere. All my friends are like, "You were just born with a golden horseshoe up your sphincter, man." So many great opportunities to do so many fun things that you never really planned on. I'm like, "Nah, it's just kind of open to stuff." <laughs> right place, right time, nice guy, I guess. Yeah, and, and you got yeah, and you got a life me. of memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, it's funny when I. When I started doing the book, my wife said to me, is this some other another, you know, thing you got to add to your resume? And I'm like, I didn't think so. But if it did get published, I'd be stoked. What a cool thing to be able to say I did. William Perry, author. Author, yeah. <laughs> and I started, I was like, I, I got to put that on my business card right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know, one of those things where a, a great opportunity. And I think I just, I, I think a lot of these things, and I think a lot of the people who succeed in the movie business are just open to learning how to do something and are willing to take the risk. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, I remember somebody telling me one time I was working at a copier store and he's like, uh, where, uh, I said, I have to be off tomorrow. And he's like, no, no, we can't do tomorrow. Tomorrow's a big sale. And I said, I'm working on hook tomorrow. He's like, not tomorrow. I'm like, here's the thing. You don't tell Steven Spielberg that, that I can't be here because I have a really big copier sale to make. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, if you walk out that door, you're fired. I'm like, Oh, I assumed. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of figured. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Gee, gosh. Yeah. Oh boy, I get to, I don't I get to work on a movie, but now I can't sell copiers anymore. Yeah. Oh no, my life's dream of selling copiers is ruined over this stupid film. I was like, dude. So yeah, I mean, I I think I've had 150 to 170 different employers in my life because <laughs> if I had a movie and they said you can't go, I'm like, okay, I am going. Should I just pack my desk or are you gonna wait? Yeah. No, you pack your desk. Okay, sorry. I mean, that's what it takes, I, you know, to do the kind of stuff you yeah. want to do. Yeah, I mean, you really have to live, breathe, eat, sleep, boop, stunts or movies because, uh, you know, you're, it's two o'clock in the morning, you're driving across town and you see a set. And you're like, oh, I wonder what that is. And you pull over, you get your resumes out and you go and you see if you can find the stunt coordinator and say, hey, hey, man, it's Bill Perry. Uh, you know, if you guys got anything coming up, you know, keep me in mind. Hey, thanks for stopping by. I mean, this was what your life was. You, you didn't have wives and kids and that sort of stuff. You had a career you were trying to pursue. This is La La Land. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but seriously, you really, you just, I mean, 
it was so hard until you really, you know, got your, your legs under you with, as a career, you just really couldn't do that. You were so focused on, you know, the, the film, like people say, well, how much, how often do you work? And I'd say, you know, I worked about 12 times a year and they go, that's it. I'm like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's a lot by the way. Yeah. And the thing is, um, you know, you spend the rest of your time when you're not working, looking for that next job yeah. and doing whatever it is you're going to do. Plus with it. your, so well, your say, kind oh, of work. It's like 12 times. That's 12 stunts, people. <laughs> that's tw that's yeah. 12, yeah. 12 instances of me jumping yeah. out of something. <laughs> and, and most of the stunts I did, I got to be honest. I mean, I, I didn't do really big stunts uh, compared to a lot of friends that I... Uh, well, enough to get concussed. The idea was... Yeah. yeah, you know, there's some good scary stuff in there. I mean, nobody else got put in a clothes dryer. Uh, <laughs> but when you when you were trying to chase this kind of work down, you're out. You know, you're out on the street. You're you're looking for where the next set is. You're trying to introduce yourself to people. You're trying to work some sort of day gig to give you enough money to make sure you can still pay your bills. Because you know, my I remember my uh, my wife had said to me, "How do you know how much money you're going to make?" I said, "I don't." She's like, "How do you know you're going to make enough to pay your bills?" I always have. That's not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> it's like, I know, you know, and so by the time I got married and had my first kid, I stopped doing stunts because I couldn't ask anybody else to live that lifestyle, hmm. you know, to have so much uncertainty, you know, my wife and kids, they want to eat all the time, like daily sometimes. And uh, <laughs> the nerve kind of provide yeah. that for them. Yeah. They, they feel responsibility to, uh, to feed them. Yeah. So yeah, th th after a while, you just get tired of it. You know, it's like, I love the work. I love you know all that stuff and it's it's great to do something like this where i talk about it because it's like yeah i remember the really good parts of it i you know when, when somebody asks you what was the hard part it's like oh i don't want to talk about that yeah. that, that sucked because i i think about all the relationships and things i just burned because nothing else could matter you know I, this was what i was after and nothing was going to stop me and you know you get a lot of great experiences and you got a few things you look back and go yeah that could have but I mean, what are you going to do? Dwell? Yeah. 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 I mean, really, I don't look at them as regrets. It's just, you know, because I don't think I really hurt anybody in any of that. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, there was there were things I could have done differently that, uh, you know, maybe I could have had a different career doing something else where I'd be making, you know, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, working anymore. <laughs> Probably would have been a pretty good copier salesman. As a, uh, never really found out. But, you know, you kind of look at those things and go, yeah, but I got to travel. I got to, you know, I got to meet, uh, you know, Frank and murder I got, to, I, mean, I got to you know i got to do all these kind of silly things uh, and one of the things actually uh when we were doing um home alone we were in uh the plaza hotel which is owned by donald trump and so donald came down and all these different movie stars who were staying in the uh in the hotel all came down to watch us do stunts i was like oh you know that's cool my future president you know came to see me do a stunt yeah just you know just one of those kind of things where it's like uh because people say you should write a book about all this crazy stuff it's like I'm not a writer. Well, well maybe I am. You're getting there. <laughs> got yeah, your first got one my, coming out. Got the first one up. Yeah. And I, I'm actually writing a, a second ver a second uh, sort of sequel, but it's a kind of a standalone sequel to to By His Hand called Out of His Mind. Is and it based off of another nightmare? I didn't want, no, it's uh it's it's basically taking that fear that I discussed earlier and just saying, okay. Let's make it worse somehow. Oh God! <laughs> now, now, what would you do? And it's yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's it would actually work as a standalone piece. But I think I might, if I decide to, uh, if I were ever to, you know, my publisher said, well, if you get that second one written, um, we'll put it out as a two-parter. You know, but yeah, now that I, I've, it's funny because I had just finished writing the story, and my publisher had said, yeah, I'm going to publish it. And a guy at a, a dinner party says, hey, Bill, you're a writer. I want to talk to you. I'm like. 
I've been a writer for like eight minutes. Oh, you're going to be getting a lot of that from now on. Yeah. yeah you know, he's like, and he gave me this really, really fun sports idea where nobody gets killed at all. And uh, I've had a couple other ideas now. And I'm thinking, is that what I do now? Am I a writer now? I mean, I Welcome really to enjoy it. doing it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I really enjoy doing it. And um, if I have a good idea, it's, you know, sometimes these things just write themselves. It just the dialogue has always come very quickly for me. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I uh, I feel guilty. I have a sort of survivor guilt from um, so many of my friends that wrote and then never got anything published. And they're like, oh. so you, the very first thing you wrote. Yeah. Goes, How many drafts did you write? I'm like, what's drafts? Oh, <laughs> I, mean, like, oh I, I turned it in. Really? On a, you... <laughs> I turned it in on this on this uh, cocktail napkin, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they published it. Can you believe it? Yeah. And so when, when I tell people that, they're like, wow, that must be nice. I'm like, you know, I didn't do it to piss you off. It just you know, so we're, we're all. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I, mean, I didn't do I it to piss you again. off. It was just a delightful bonus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't, you know, and I, and hey, nobody's more blown away or more grateful or feeling, you know, like say more surprised and blessed and all those other words than me. I really, you know, I was so surprised. I expected I would get pages and pages of notes before anything, uh, you know, came of it. And I probably figured I would be, I'd get all those notes and go, I suck. I'm not good at this. I'm not going to do it. You hurt my feelings. Um, so, you know, I feel really grateful for that. And who knows, I may never get another idea, you know, that, that jumps off the page like that one did for me. But it's still fun. I mean, I feel like, all right, because now I recognize that was a fun process. You know, I, uh, I know most people find it really miserable, but I feel like if I've got a good idea, then it really comes, you know, and then it's just ready to roll. I, I know what I want to do. And, you know, new fun stuff happens while I'm writing. And I go, ooh, I got to throw that in. So that part's, uh, and my daughter's actually learning to be a teacher right now and uh, teaching creative writing. And she said, you're doing it all wrong. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Let me just look on the shelf. Who's got a book? Who's... Oh, I do. <laughs> how many, how many drafts did you have to write? <laughs> yeah little miss yeah <laughs> yes i am that much of a bitch it's true <laughs> hey you, you need to take that you need to take that energy and you just put it you know put put it in your writing yeah well that's you know and I, it's that truly uh when i started when this friend gave me this idea for this sports idea i was like damn it that's good and so i i wrote to him a few weeks later and i kind of told him what i intended to do with it he said that's not the story i gave you and i said well it's the it's the same you know, opening currently is no, it's way better than my idea. I'm like, no, 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 your idea was really good. That's what got me started. He's like, I gave you a writing prompt. I didn't give you a story. I'm like, don't feel bad about it, dude. You're in. You know, Too late. Can, can get some co-writer credit on that. But I, yeah, it's it's kind of, I feel like that's the next creative endeavor for me. Uh, movies are, you know, kind of in my past for and have been for a while. Uh, the audiobooks has been uh, a lot of fun too because I don't read my audiobooks first. I do them totally cold read, which is oh. a fun acting exercise yeah. when you don't know what's happening at all. You make some corrections, you know, here and there. But for the most part, I think it's really fun to do it in the moment because it makes the, the reading very desperate and um, impactful and, you know, very, there's a lot of energy to it. Or if I did it probably four or five times, I'm like, oh, I know this story. I probably wouldn't put the same you know, pizzazz into it. So, so this thing's been the new one. Yeah. It's really been kind of fun. I'm hoping uh, down the line, as I've the the signing thing has been happening, I'm hoping that uh, as uh, stunt people become more interesting to the the grand populace, <laughs> that there will be some of that to do. Just because yeah. I've gone to some of these shows and it's just great. Horror fans freaking rock. 
They're just, yeah, we're just yeah. fanatics for all of it. Yeah, and you know, and the part about it, it's funny. Uh, Wes actually had somebody had said to Wes uh, on a PBS interview one time, "Aren't these people creepy?" And he said, "No, horror fans are like the sweetest people." Talk. Yeah, well, and, and what he said, I thought this was a really, really strong point. He said, "When when you watch a horror film, it's not about killing; it's about surviving." And he said, "A lot of people face stuff in their life that they just don't feel like." You know, maybe I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this, you know, whether it's finances or health or whatever. He said, horror movies give you that chance to watch the the final girl or guy or whoever make it through under the most ridiculous circumstances. And it's never luck or very rarely is it luck. It's it's survival and it's pluck and it's, you know, uh, it's whatever it takes to be that. And that's a lot of what makes horror movies such a relief because they do survive you know, mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and that part of it, uh, it appeals to that. I mean, and, and a lot of horror movies, in fact, Wes had a whole thing about the difference between um, somebody laughing and somebody being scared when you watch it from a theater. You wouldn't know if it was a comedy or scary movie most times because usually a good scare comes with a good laugh. And he said, so when it's the same sort of release of tension, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in yeah. a good scare as a good laugh. Yeah, Plus, you have people who there. laugh as a as a way to kind of like relieve themselves it, to get over a scary yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, when I when I first started going to the cons, I would think, oh boy, this is like Freak Central. You know, it's like the bigger the freak, the the louder the you know everybody's got to try to outdo each other. And it wasn't that. Huh. It was people who just enjoy this genre. They love a good scare. They love the gore and all that, that stuff. But it's not like they're thinking, yeah, and I'm going to go do some of that. And I'm going to go kill me a girl. You know, they're not doing that. It's it's the genre is just fun for them. And when I started to see that, it's and people would talk about. You know, I, I would talk to guys about the movies I've done and they would talk about just how that movie just really made an impact on them or they really loved it. And they know it wasn't Oscar worthy material, but they loved it. And I started, st I stopped saying, oh God, Nightmare 5, are you kidding? Yeah, I stopped doing that because you know what? Sometimes that's the movie that somebody really identified with and they watched it five times. It was the first scary movie they saw. It was, you know, the first one their dad took them to or whatever it was that made that memory so indelible and so positive. And it's like, yeah, I mean, they're not, some of them aren't great movies at all. Some of them are horrible because, and it's yeah. the best part about them. Is Plus, yeah. I'm sure if, if they invited you back for Hook 2, you'd have been like, heck yeah, I had so much fun on that uh, last time. Hell yeah. 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 In fact, uh, somebody was asking uh, Lee Waddell, the, the ghost face, they said, would you come back and do another one? He's like, uh, of course. <laughs> I, I, why did you, what, would, what did you imagine my answer was going to be to that question? Yeah. <laughs> I, of course I would. Uh, yeah. You know, making movies is a blast for the most part, you know, it's, uh, and it's something everybody, well, I say everybody, when we talk about when you do these conventions, you go to places, you know, that are far from Hollywood. And the farther yeah. you are from Hollywood, the more interesting you are to people. <laughs> it's a really kind of a, it's a very nice thing to have somebody look at the work that you've done and just go, wow. It's like, yeah, having somebody say wow to you is a nice, it's a nice buzz. And and you recognize that what you did and the sacrifices you made yeah. and all the, the silly things that you did to make that career happen, people yeah. appreciate it. Because I got to be honest, when, like, when, when you reached out and said you wanted to come on and I saw your list of film, I was, I, I was telling Dave, I was like, wow, this guy's 
been on some sets. This guy's yeah. This guy's been on been and been in the game. I, I was. He yeah. wants to talk to yeah. us. What? He wants to talk to well, us. You know, yeah. The thing is, you know, you want to talk to people who are going to appreciate and enjoy that stuff. Yeah. And like I, I could tell these stories to my wife. She's going to hit me over the head with a baseball bat. I swear to God, she just can't <laughs> stand it anymore. It's like I know you were in movies. Big freaking deal. My daughter, my son, just, you know, they rolled right. Ooh, Predator 2's on, Bill. I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> I spoke in that movie. I, I got skinned alive in that movie. Did you get skinned alive? Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah. When, when was the last time you were skinned alive, Mr. Smarty Pants? <laughs> so, you know, when somebody well, appreciates it and really appreciates it for, the, because they're fans of the genre, I, I was talking to Lee and I said, so what's the big deal with, you know, you doing these shows? He said, the thing is, I'm as big a fan as they are. And that's what makes it fun. And I started looking at my movies and somebody said, oh, my God, you know, you were in, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, man, I've watched that movie a hundred times. I watch it every Christmas or I watch it every Halloween. It's like, you know, that's really cool. I'm glad I was part of something that makes you that happy. You know, we all do stuff that makes people unhappy. This is a thing where I did something and I didn't know who I was going to make happy, but I just met them and they're stoked. That's the best. How can you not have fun with that? What could, what's better than that? You just, you just made somebody's day just by saying hello to them. You know, that's bitching. <laughs> if you don't, when I hear about baseball players, like, oh, I don't sign autographs. I'm like, why do you play this game? You know, I mean, you, you, you dreamt about it when you were a kid, you know, you wanted to be the guy that hit the ball over the fence in the, you know, the ninth inning in the, in the game. You, you did that. And now when people want to just share 30 seconds of your life, you're a dick. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, man, that, you got to be a very unhappy person not to not to want to, yeah. you know, yeah. help somebody else feel like they got a little buzz from you. They got just a little piece of you for that moment and got to learn something that they never heard before. I mean, I've told people little tidbits of films yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm going to tell all my friends I, I, that I, knew, yeah. I heard that from the guy. Enjoy. I'm so glad it makes you happy. Uh, like I said, my, my wife and my kids, it won't do. That's, I, that's why I'm in the garage talking to you. I can't get <laughs> <laughs> to have my studio out of here. They'd just be looking at each other, looking at you, looking at each other, like oh, and shaking their heads, you know. Oh. And listen to them. You can tell that they love it. <laughs> yeah. How much? How much longer before the the senility finally takes over and he doesn't remember anything anymore? Won't that be a day? So it's been really great. I mean, that, I, when I reached out to you guys, I re I listened to your podcast first, and then uh, said, "Ooh, I like these guys. They are true yeah. fans and educated. Damn, you guys know your stuff." Uh, and that's real. That was really the uh, the def defining thing. You know, I thought, yeah, you guys have a nice following, which is great. Uh, but you guys also know your movies, and you know what you like about them, and you don't like yeah. them all. If you guys had said, yeah. "Oh my God, I loved," you know, uh, you know, some real turd that's out there, I'd be like, "Okay, you loved it because it was bad, right?" Please. Oh, I can, I can love, I can actually we, like. Those it. are the best ones to uh, like the, the like the Black Christmas review. <laughs> we know it's a bad movie, uh, or the two thousand was it three? Uh, two thousand nine Black nine. Christmas. Just the remake. Yeah, the, yeah. The, that's the one where it's the. Uh, it's not even at Christmas. And it's basically a Me Too movement. No, that's 2019. Oh, that was yeah. even early, uh, even later. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about the yeah, early I the aughts. To that one going thing. Yeah, thank such God a terrible you. movie, but yeah, I love it. It's so much fun watching it, well, though. And yeah. it's more fun to talk about. You yeah. know, uh, it's fun to talk about a bad movie, a good movie. Oh, uh, you know, Citizen Kane. Yeah. 
you know, it's like, well, the thing oh, about Citizen knows. Kane is like how like we everybody knows Citizen Kane as a classic, but how many people actually have actually sat and watched it? Like, like I really, like same thing with Casablanca. Like, yeah, we yeah. recognize it as a classic, but I had never sat and watched it. And and these movies yeah. have classics, but they're classics whether they're good or not. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, it's you can you can absolutely. I mean, if you really took a. Uh, you know, uh, a scalpel, as it were, to some of these movies, you go, yeah, yeah, I guess that's pretty lame. I mean, like there yeah. was something in Nightmare 3, uh, and again, I'm not going to tear it down, but the gal that, you know, uh, welcome to primetime, bitch, uh-huh. they considered that she had killed herself. How do you kill yourself? How do you jump up and... <laughs> up and shove it, yeah. How do you yeah. ram your head into a television set and essentially either, I don't know, did you did you die from hanging? Or did yeah. you die from the head injury? How did you do that exactly? When yeah. I when I saw that in the movie theater, I'm like, okay. I think um, I said that in our review for yeah. Nightmare. Size. You can drive a semi through that little plot loop. Uh, yeah. oh. How did you guys, who just said, uh, we're just going to move on. That's suicide right there. There must have been. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly suicide. Yeah, shot himself yeah. in the back. Yeah, shot himself in the back with a six shooter. He shot himself eight times. He had to Natural stop causes. Yeah. yeah, he shot him. Yeah, yeah, shot shot himself from twelve feet away. Worst case of suicide I ever saw. Yeah, yeah. There's sometimes you'll look at those and it's like because you liked the movie, you yeah. go, "Oh, shut up! I liked it." It's like, okay, good. Yeah, you yeah. can do that. You can do that with horror films. You cannot ah. do that. With horror, you, you can know, be like, look, I, I know this is bad, but what can I tell you? I liked it. Okay, okay, <laughs> it caught yeah. me on a good day. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and I've listened to a few other podcasts too, and you know, and uh, that's a general thing. People can yeah. watch a horror movie, hate ninety percent of it, and go, but the thing with the roach, you know, or the thing with the with the beheading, oh yeah, <laughs> and everybody's, you know, everybody's in. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, okay, I'm taking it off my top ten worst and putting it into my top five best. Well, that's kind of like <laughs> Ghost Ship. It's like Ghost Ship's not a great movie, but it has an awesome intro kill scene. The best <laughs> like, opening of any horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> just slicing all those people and in half. And that's it. And that's yeah. it. They peaked. They they peaked in their and first the five minutes. When you, when you can, yeah, and when you can, and when you can recognize that, like there was a movie that really screwed me up when I was in high school called Zombie. Oh, Zombie! Zombies. Is that Lucio Fulci? Don't know. I it scared me so bad. I did everything I could to get out of that theater. All my friends were watching. I'm like, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. And it was uh, the tagline was, "We are going to eat you." Like <laughs> That's the best snakes on a plane kind of description right there in the tagline. Yeah. We are going to eat you. You know what you're in and for. I remember. Yeah. We yeah. You do what you're getting. And we got into this thing. And the scene that I remember, the one that just messed me up. Uh, girls hiding in this closet. You know, because that, that's the best place to be when there's things, something to kill you. And yeah. the closet has like louvered door or louvered, uh, uh, you know, like uh, like blinds. And she's looking through the blinds. And then, of course, the hand comes through and smashes through and she reels back and it grabs her by the hair and it's pulling her and pulling her towards the waiting splinter. And oh. it's very slow. Very, yep. And you see the cornea. Yeah. yeah. You see the cornea go first, and then the iris, and then the fluid. And I just—it was the most graphic. That's a great oh. shot. That is a great scene in a movie because yeah. of how slow oh. it's sh- it shot. Yeah. yeah, so much. And I and and this is long before I I was in any sort of scary movie. I remember seeing that and going, "There is nothing that will ever gross me out, freak me out, and scare the living piss out of me." like that moment i believe that was and lucio fulci five zombie. minutes later yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Five minutes later, it happens again. I'm like, I'm just going to go sit outside. And they're like, you nothing scares you. I'm like, I'm going to go sit outside because I've wet myself. And I don't really need my girlfriend to see that right now. Yeah. It was that impactful to me. I was like, wow. And I and I'd seen Nightmare, not Nightmare, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. You know, that mm-hmm. was like the first yes. real super graphic. Kevin Bacon, you know, another yes. actor moved on to bigger, better things. Yeah. Um, you know, you that the scene where he's lying on the bed. Of course, he's just had sex because that's yeah. where you get killed. And the uh, arrow comes up through the mattress through his throat. So good. One of my I remember seeing that. that movie. Yeah, so good, so scary, and so graphic, and so never had been done before like that. Usually, you know, it was like back to Psycho, splatter on the wall. It's up to your imagination to figure out what happened. Oh no, yeah. we're leaving nothing to your imagination. Yeah. I'm going to watch somebody get a cleaver or an axe in the forehead. And, and the great thing about that movie, same uh, Wes Craven kind of thing. If you want to know where the scariest thing in the world happens, where does it happen? At camp. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the bad guy? He's under the bed. He's in the bathroom. Yeah. He's in the shower. It's so obvious. Yeah. Once you know the formula, you're like, you bastard, you played me. <laughs> you played me for everything that scared me when I was 11 years old at camp. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what we did. And it's so well done. And, you know, and scary. I thought when when Jason actually became a real thing, I'm like, now nah, you lost me. I didn't like the supernatural element of that when I saw him back then. I was like, no, 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 the mom did it, man. You know, no, it's not a real thing. But... It took on its own whole life, Kane Hodder. I hope you agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kane Hodder's great. He's someone I'd really like to meet. Oh, gosh, you could hardly go to a con without meeting him. The guy is... Yeah, he's, he's in every yeah. con, like every con yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he books himself. He does a he does a, a land a land office business, we used to say, back before when I was a settler in the 1800s, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he does great. And, you know, and he's one of those guys. He's as big a fan of the show as you were and that's why he's fun to meet you know i've seen some people at some of the cons and they don't want to be there this is a paycheck yeah. you know they're just signing the stuff and moving you know stick and move stick and move they don't greet you they're not friendly they don't want to talk about the movie that's why you're there man yeah. you know, getting your signature is cool but talking to you talking to your hero talking to somebody who was there that was part of the making of the thing that you just loved 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 that's the point you know, that's why I, I, I'm i doing this signing uh, next month and, or actually later this month. And I'm hoping that somebody will go, hey, there's enough value to Bill Perry. Let's put him on one of these cons. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd gladly so get Carpal yeah. Tunnel from signing autographs to do those right. cons. Absolutely. Exactly. Oh. Watching people who when they meet, you know, somebody that's, you know, somebody that's they're in, in their films, they're so pleased. And it doesn't matter how little your thing was. Uh, Tony Caesar's daughter. Uh, two daughters were the little girls in the first nightmare and oh, wow. uh you know the two girls when you know when two freddy's coming for you and all that oh really they okay. were the, it was his daughters and they do conventions because people like oh you were the little girls yeah it's like the girls yeah. from the shining yeah and it's just even if, if you were in it that's enough but a lot of times the uh the promoters of these things they don't see the value of stunt people because it's like yeah they weren't really in it it's like the thing that you remember is the thing i did Sorry, yeah. you know, sorry to burst your bubble. I, I would that think that stunt uh, stunt people would be higher up on the toe because they're the ones doing the actual stuff. Like, yeah, you, yeah, uh, but the promoters just don't feel that way about it yet. I mean, we're we're hoping that you know people will start to see that because again, I I would love to do some of these things. I think it's yeah. it just. Well, I'm going to uh, Creepy Con this weekend. 
which is uh, one they have out in Ontario, California. And it's uh, it's a good one because it's close enough to Hollywood that a lot of the the big names will be there. And uh, people, you know, it's Los Angeles. You're going to put your freak on. You're going to go full freak all about freaking out on this so it's that's it's the more fun ones to do i'm bringing my camera and i'm just going to be taking pictures like there's no tomorrow <laughs> people have <laughs> yeah. so much fun so we'll see those on the instagram yeah. soon yeah oh yeah yeah there's gonna be a lot of that nice. uh and we're gonna do we're actually gonna do a live feed too just because i think uh it's one of those yeah. things where it's it's one thing to see the pictures it's another thing to see the people just having the best yeah. time ever and i just that's that's really the part of it to me that's the fun is watching people who just you can go to this thing and nobody's going to look at you funny for being a cosplay you know person nobody's going to look at you funny because you just you know like i bought a uh, a freddy glove recently somebody you know, told me there's a guy who makes his name's anders erickson mm -hmm. um he makes the gloves for robert england you know so this is the guy you know who makes yeah. these things and he he, when I told him I was in the movie, he's like, oh, you know, you want me to make you one? And uh, I said, yeah, yeah. And I paid him for doing it because I didn't expect he should make yeah. one for me for free. <laughs> but um, I can't wait. It's due like any day. And I thought, oh. you know, I've never been a cosplay freak, but damn it, I want my glove. <laughs> and some, You don't need to come into anything you know, else. Just show up in your clothes and the glove. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I'm expecting that. And, and I've really started to get into it now um, as a fan the way you know other fans do it's like yeah i know i know a little bit more about the you know back end of all this stuff but yeah it really is fun and it's fun to go to these things and just see people just totally you know i don't know what they do all day all week long you know these are librarians these are firefighters these are you know, got all sorts yeah. of things on this sun saturday and sunday we're gonna get our freak on massively and we're gonna have some fun at the con and we're gonna nobody's gonna raise an eyebrow because i happen to have a 300 dollars you know freddy krueger glove you know, everybody's going to be like, oh, dude, coolest glove. Where'd you get it? You know, look at mine. You know, so it's uh, I think that's that's just bitching. I just think that people need more chance to just let them be themselves and just not be judged for having a particular freakazoid interest in one particular thing. God, you know, just enjoy. Who cares? Not bothering anybody. <laughs> I think I can't think of a more perfect place to kind of start wrapping up a little bit on that kind of a positive yeah. note. We're, yeah. co well, we are, we're coming about. Yeah. We're coming up on a second hour here. God, shut up! Oh no, this is great. This is what people want to no. hear. People want to yeah. hear these stories. I mean, that's why. Yeah. That's why we have guests on, so that they can talk about themselves. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm going to hook you guys up with Lee. Lee is uh, also great. Lee and I've been friends since we were five. Oh, and uh, he's one who got yeah. me, he got me into the business by uh, uh, introducing me to uh, Tony Caesar and uh, Lee's great too. And he's got some. He did. Uh, he and I only worked on one or two films. Uh, we were we were both in the business about fifteen years or so, uh, doing stunts actively. And we only ever worked on maybe one or two shows together. So he's got an entire like he was the guy that got torn apart by the two tyrannosaurs in Lost World. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, so and yeah. <laughs> uh he did a, did a couple of the screen films did a lot of horror films did a lot of just you know great stuff a lot of fire burns yeah. and dangerous scary stupid shit um so he's a good guy to talk to too i'd have to hook you up with him because he just he's another one where it's like you know what i never knew how much people enjoyed these films because you don't it's not like you go to the movie theater and you know as people walk out did you like it did you like it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just assume, you know, you see the yeah. box office and you go, well, I guess that one did okay. Yeah. But, you know, you don't talk to people who are, who are fans 
ordinarily. You know, Ooh, so when you get yeah. to talk to people like that, it's like, oh, I'm so glad you liked it. That was, you know, that was a really good thing. You know, I'm glad we yeah. did it. Yeah, we would uh, certainly hope that yeah. you would consider coming back if you ever, uh, if you ever in the mood to talk some more stories. God, yeah, when you drop the second me, book, yes. yeah. <laughs> we are more than happy yeah. to stroke your ego. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's a pretty big ego, so it takes some time. You if, 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 you're, if, if your wife is getting things. you down yeah. and, not, and not appreciating you enough, come on, buddy bag, and we'll, we'll be sure to stroke your yeah, ego. Yeah. Hey, yeah. tell my daughter, they like me. They like my stories. Yeah, I'm going go yeah. go to the garage and cry again. That's, this is where I go to cry. <laughs> No, absolutely. It's uh, especially if, if there's a particular film that you guys are looking for a little background on, because I think that's really the fun part uh, for a lot of folks is when you, you, there's a movie that you like and then you find out, wait, that's how they did that. And it's like, yeah, and it was so cool. Like the, the, the scene from Hook with the boats. I mean, if that doesn't blow your mind and just make you wish you were there, I don't know. You don't like movies because that was just one of those moments where I just remember thinking this is what it is. This is what people dream of when they think they're going to go to Hollywood and and, and see a movie, you know, be in a movie or go see a movie set. This is what you go, damn it. It just isn't going to get any better than this. Yeah. It's like, nope, you're right. It didn't. It never did. It was it. <laughs> Total topper. Nobody got a better shot at it. A better, you know, cooler set to work on. I'm like, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Keep me in mind anytime. Oh, most definitely. Open invitation. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. But I was did a uh, podcast for a gal in Australia and it was two and a half hours. And I told her, I said, oh, shit, I thought you were going to cut half of this. And she's like, no, no, it was good. I'm like, no, no, even I can't listen to that. No way. <laughs> and I like me. And she's like, no, my mom listened to it. She thinks you're cute. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, that's so sad that it's your mom that said it. God, that's oh. pathetic. I'm so fucking old. <laughs> Usually it ends up being trimmed by like 10 or 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. well, again, you're not going to hurt my feelings yeah. by taking anything else. Well, it's been great talking to you guys, really. Yeah. It's been fun. Uh, well, anytime, like if you guys, uh, anytime yeah. you guys want, just tell me, hey, we're going to do another episode. It would be fun to have you in. We're going to talk about uh, the Predator, the Predator yeah. movie. Yeah, if you ever get to see Predator 2, that's my one, my one uh, speaking role. That I got. They were looking for a, yeah. a, a stuntman that could act. I said, "Well, I can do half of both." Of them. <laughs> well, I do. Well, I do. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. And it, I, if, during the holidays, it's so funny because they'll be showing Predator Two, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Home Alone Two. Like all the horror, all the horror movies are all showing simultaneously. So I'll be scanning through the you know on TV screen, and it's like in it, in it, in it, audition, <laughs> in it, in it, in it. Ooh. Big residuals on that one. In it, in it, in it. And so it's just kind of funny. My wife just, you know, rolls her eyes. She's like, we're not watching anything with you in it. We wanted to do that. We could. We're not doing that this time. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. They show Predator 2 on TBS about every 30 minutes. It's like, you know, Christmas story during Halloween or during uh, Christmas. Yeah. They just show it, you know, in endless repeat. That, that's that's Predator 2, baby. I need that check. She loves well, that will be, well, that'll yeah. definitely be our movie for next uh, for the next time you're on. Oh yeah, God, yeah, that and that's another good one. I mean, I, that's where the Bill Paxton story comes from. I got a major affection for that just because what a guy. You know, yeah. not not enough people like that in this world. All right, well, you have stopped yes. recording. I hope. No, you haven't. You're still recording. We're Stop. Still recording. Stop. <laughs> yeah, go all night. Well, we'll go ahead and let you. I can really go all night. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for showing up and and uh, for yeah. and reaching out to us and uh, taking some time and talking to us. Well, everybody, all right, gentlemen, you, thanks so much. Thank you very much, and everybody. I've been Chris Thomas, and with me, Brooke Ryder, Dave, and thank you, William Perry. Have a good week, everybody.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Body Bag Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave us a comment as to what you'd like to hear us review or any horror movie topics you'd like to hear us rant and rave about. And while you're at it, you can find us on Twitter at Body Bag Pod and on Instagram at Body Bag Podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.